welcome to episode 443 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Yes, it is a Sunday. No, he is not wearing his scary hat. I think it's official. This is the fourth week in a row without the hat. Ergo, the hat is now, it has to be retired. And by I mean by that is a Viking death. Russell John, the fisherman. We got to shoot it with flaming arrows and send it out to the ocean. That's right. I tried to put it on before the show, and you know that. It's just fucking hot. But you didn't. I know. You didn't commit. And you just put on a hat. I did, to spite your <laughs> no hat. Your hat's fucking dumb. I know. You don't like the flat bill hat. I don't. Also, I don't think you like a nylon hat. I could do a is, nylon. I have never seen you even touch nylon. I won't buy one, but I'd wear it. Nylon. No, the hat you don't I, appreciate nylon. A hat I won't wear is a fedora or a bucket hat. Uh, maybe a <laughs> bucket hat. No, bucket hats are back, baby. Oh, then I'm not wearing It's very it. popular in the athlete world. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Speaking of the athlete world, joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is Randy Michael Stat. That's me. What's up? What's up, dog? Chilling, you know, over here just shooting hoops and playing hockey and <laughs> kicking soccer balls, all sorts of uh, athletic events. Randy, have I ever seen you shoot a hoop? Uh, probably Maybe not. Maybe back no, in the warehouse days, they brought in some hoops from time to time. That's possible. There is, a, there is basketball courts pretty close to me at a, at a park that I've thought about going to, but um, I don't know. I, I get intimidated because I'd probably be the only gringo there. <laughs> and I haven't played in years either, so, you know. I don't think they call you a gringo, though. He's gringo Probably supremo. Not, <laughs> I can Hey, what the fuck? The white boy walked in the car. <laughs> <laughs> now, Randy, if memory serves, did you, not, uh, did you not play on your youth league basketball team? Correct. Sixth grade. What were, we run- were we running point? Or are you down there in the paint? I don't think Getting them positions boards. were really official at that time. At fifth grade? What the, yeah. uh, was it was it a short bus fifth grade situation? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't I don't fifth really grade, remember being a uh, position of any sort. Randy, do you understand that they are offering scholarships to nine year olds these days? <laughs> That's a fact. Well, things have changed. It wasn't like that back in my day. Just saying, fifth grade, you better get your act together. Now, speaking of getting our act together, that's just how I'm going to parlay everything in today. I'm just going to take the last thing that we say and move it on to the next thing. Uh, Randy has a guest in his studio. We have an in-studio guest this week, but not in our studio. Last week, we did that with the great David O'Shea. This week, we do it with the great Christian Perez, who has been on this show before, but in a different iteration, where the Cellar Dellers crawled the vinyl floor now walks. Christian, what's up, Dave? What's up? Thanks for having me. Appreciate. By the it. way, I stumbled through that uh, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I was it mumbling was on my words here. It's beautiful. I am. Uh, what's going on? What are you? What are you two nerds doing over there? This man. Yeah, chilling. We went. Uh, speaking of our vinyl-related show, we went to uh, Disorder Vinyl around noon and uh, did some record shopping, and then just came back here to. Do two episodes. Yeah. I'm going to guess Randy did not buy a record. I bought two records. Randy bought two. And I I just bought a little seven inch. He bought two full on 
And they were both cheap. They were both used. Uh, one I actually already own, but it's still in California. And I figured I would just buy it again because it was only $10. Yeah, he double yeah. bought a record. Yeah, it's cheaper in the long run. I, I, I sign yeah. off on that choice. I'm not going to ship it. Yeah. And also joining us in studio, as always, is behind the wall, in the booth, Oksana Valerianova <laughs> Osachi. Hi. Oksana, what's going on today? Um, not a lot. I'm very tired. <laughs> I went to bed too late and got up at six with a baby. There you go. Yeah. How are you? Are you, are you well just rested? At me? <laughs> are you well rested, asshole? What's going on here? What? You gonna do take some of this share over here? She'll you know, I wake up and they're both gone. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Every day I'm like, I just think the car will be gone too. And I'm like, it's finally happened. <laughs> no, she'll let me sleep. And then she'll just be like, dude, she she does this shit all the time. She tries to make me feel bad. Yeah. So this weekend I've been lamenting uh, not being, I've been restricted because of this damn kid we had. And I couldn't go out to one of the biggest theater weekends in American history. The fourth largest. And everybody out there is just having, they're like, dude, theaters are shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, I yeah. felt brutal FOMO. There's a lot of girls dressed like very specific type of whores. This is part of the problem. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, dude. So I've been, you know, online, I'll answer people and they'll be like, nobody wanted to do the double with me. I'm like, oh, man, I want to do it. And Oksana's like, you can go. I'm like, fuck, that's a trap. I can't go. Right? Didn't you tell me all weekend? You're like, you go see Oppenheimer if you want. No, I said uh, Sound of Freedom. Because oh, we're that kind of family. Hey, we'll talk about that a little later. Although, you know, um, I guess, you know, I'm trying to tease what happens later on in the show because we have a lot regularly now. And I, I will say that I did go to the theater. Uh, it was very crowded. And I did walk by a screening of Sound of Freedom. And I popped in to see if there was actually anybody in there. So stay tuned. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, we have too many Sound of Freedom <laughs> teasers right now. Clark, he he. Before we recorded this, I um another movie I'm talking about. I thought there might have been a controversy because I don't know how we do this. We always end up veering into the wrong lane, and we hear like passive aggressive blowback about it. And I was like, dude, is there a controversy about this movie? And he was like, I don't know, man, but I might see Sound of Freedom, and we don't need two of these movies in one episode. <laughs> but uh, we got them both, so. No, for I mean we, but we do kind of ask for it. I know. Well, why not? I mean, you know, why not get the maligned actress that everyone hated <laughs> in the movie that everyone was excited for and has become a real life villain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's get her on the show, and we had a great time. Yeah, and it's one and of the best episodes guess. we've had. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but also, it, there is a problem with like current film culture, where like you know, one of the things we talked about with Christian a minute ago was how much we love gummo. And I feel like a gummo of the modern age would not be celebrated. It would almost be ignored. Uh, are you talking about skinamarink, dude? <laughs> gummo 2.0 is what I call that shit. I don't know if I would get together with my delinquent friends and buy a bunch of, like, Iron Cobra and watch <laughs> skinamarink over and over. It doesn't have the same kind of vibe going for it. Not at yeah, all. I don't know. Christian, did you do the uh, skinamarink stink? I saw it in theaters and I actually quite enjoyed it. Walk me through it. Walk yeah. me through it. <laughs> uh, I 
I don't, I, I think it could have been uh, a good 45 minutes shorter. I would have taken it if it was like an hour 15 and would have yeah. been very happy. Um, I don't know. I just really dug the vibe and I don't like saying that. I don't like that word as a descriptor for most things, but that movie just, I don't know, worked for me for some reason, but I mostly felt like, Oh, I can't wait to put this on at home while listening to like some fucked up death metal records and like drawing and like doing something else, like just having it on in the background while I'm listening to and doing other shit is like, I love movies that do that, but it's a hyper specific kind. And that's one of them for me. And it'd be sick with a uh, Andrew Dice Clay record. <laughs> that would be yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I again. I know we talked about it, but I, I just felt like that's a movie that needed to be discovered, not marketed at an Alamo. I ag- like I do agree about that. Yeah, like you got to be at the end of a forum, and then somebody has a link, and then you click that, and you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Yep. Not like, "Did you like Terrifier 2? Come out to the Alamo and watch yep. Skinnerink, and you're like. No, I don't know. I look. I I I have no under. <laughs> I have a sincere failure, uh, in executing any sort of semblance of marketing, in my entire life. However, uh, it is of interest to me, uh, especially in film marketing. And I think when movies kind of break through that barrier. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's exciting. I am glad that Skinnamarink exists. Yeah, me too. Uh, I can't do it. It's not for me, but I am so glad it exists. And I'm glad it became like a thing. And we need these things to pop up periodically. You know, like we needed the paranormal activity thing to pop up. We need the Skinnamarink thing to pop up. We need the Ari Aster thing to pop up. I think your disconnect with it, though, is pretty apparent. Um, because of your disdain for like YouTube features. I think you just need something more cinematic. And that movie was more of a vibe. What do you mean YouTube features? Like when we were talking about the King Von dog. Don't talk about vibes to me, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wearing sunglasses and a nylon cap. I I am vibing (laughs) as fuck. I think you're in denial. That's what you're doing. But I, you know, like myhouse.wad, like those features. I watched that bullshit. Or okay, here's but they're not very cinematic in the traditional way. Like plenty what, of wads in my house, oh brother. My <laughs> also, you know, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but now that uh the inevitable has happened again. Yeah. Uh are you gonna watch that third part with me? There's a great YouTube um third part of what? Of the McCainy Manor infiltration. Okay, the second one got deleted, I think. Oh, it did? Yeah. I tried to pull it up and it got deleted. Is that uh, that fucked so- up haunt? Yeah. So oh, dude. Here's the thing. And I Controversy about. I wasn't going to bring it up, um, so I'm not really ready. But on YouTube, uh, I'm, I mean, I fucking I live on YouTube. What the hell is the dude's name? Something Reckless. Reckless Ben. Reckless Ben. Not Reckless Eric, who had yeah. a one-hit wonder. Okay. A um, wide world. Really? Yeah. You know what? I just found part yeah. two. Yeah. I know they can't hear it over there. But I did find part two. Oh, it's a re-upload. So it did. Get, oh, somebody else re-upload. Okay. Whoa, so McCamey Manor. Take a breath. McCamey Manor is yeah. a extreme haunt. And I'm sure we've all heard about, we talked about them here. You pay with a um, bag of dog food and then you get to experience something that most people would never want to experience. Something I didn't know about it was if you make it all the way through, you're supposed to get 20 grand. I didn't know it was like a game show. Which no one's thing. ever been able to do. Yeah, so there's a YouTuber called Reckless Ben who kind of does like 
like parkour style stunts, like puts his body on the line a lot, but he also like infiltrates Colts, which is, uh, that seems like a fun thing. I don't know if I'd watch that though. Anyway, I watched it. It was shit. It's bad. It's just, he's a, he's, he's, he's a prick. Well, you know, I think in the modern era of like conspiracies being at the forefront. That shit, that shit came across as really fake, dude. Like he worked at the, okay. All right. We're in the weeds now. Okay. Yeah. We're. All right. Essentially what happened is that this little twink went into this restaurant that was supposedly run by a cult. Uh He worked there for three months. Then he realized that no, no one that, no one well, who he was took wor- a job. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because he realized that they didn't get paid. Oh, because it, through the LLC, they're able to work as like um, it's like a charity thing, okay. and now they they basically all are shareholders in this co-op. Yeah, essentially, that's how they're able to not pay their employees. Cool. So it's basically you know slave labor, as he calls it, of course. So he was able to infiltrate, and then what he was able to do is collect an X amount of friends that supersede that w- was greater than the number of the to take over the company. To, <laughs> yes. So it was a, um, what do they call it? Hostile takeover yeah, yeah, of yeah. this restaurant. Uh, but then, you know, they called the sheriff's department who is friends with them because they know that they're, a they, ha- well, yeah. they're, they bribe the police because they know they do weird shit. Yeah. So they make friends with the police and they give them free meals every day because their guys <laughs> is like, we ha- we don't know who you are because we're here every day. All right, so what's the problem? This sounds great. It's all fake. Oh, you think the whole thing is it's staged? Yeah. Okay. Well, we know McKamey Manor is real. So yes. that's different. That guy now, is fake. Now, McKamey Manor, um, I didn't even think about like, okay, it's a haunt or whatever. But this dude started looking into all the people who had attended the haunt. And looking at what happened after. And a lot of them were saying that guy needs to be shut down. He's fraudulent. But they don't really talk a lot. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll jump into the 11-year waiting list. And I'll hopefully get in. And he got in within an hour. And um, he records a video call that he had with the dude, that uh, Russ, that owns it. And he was like, hey, we know you're like an investigative journalist. You're not going to try and do that here, right? And he notes immediately that the only people who were ever worried about that kind of content or the people who are hiding shit. But you think it's a fucking hunt. So what would they be hiding? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a light spoiler. I do think he's uploading these in parts and said they would probably get taken down, which I guess they have. Yeah. But uh, what Russ is hiding is there's no haunt. So basically he, he there's no house. There's no house. There's no haunt at all. So when the dude joined, they had him fly out, go to a Walmart, a specific, like there was a Walmart on a band list that he could not go to. That's closer. Uh, yeah. Spoiler. It turns out Russ works there. Yeah. Uh, but he goes, buys a bag of dog food, shows up blindfolded, and they put uh, upside down glasses on him and they make him do a brutal workout for about three hours. And they tell him, if you don't pass this portion, you can't get into the house. So again. And t- did they look up videos of people? Well, the thing is that he live streams the whole thing. Yeah. So he's basically torturing a dude and live streams it to a closed network on Facebook. And classy uh, and reckless Ben found, I don't know how he's like, we hacked it and they had a bunch of graphics, Yeah, but he's like, from now on, you're going to be watching his video, not mine. Also, there's a whole thing with an NDA that I thought was really cool, but yeah, I, this is the type of YouTube content that I'm like, this isn't a traditional documentary. 
but there's still like value here. And I just thought you didn't connect with it much. What are you talking about? No, I enjoy it. What, what do you want me to do? Jerk off while I watch it? Okay. <laughs> I highly recommend people I mean, watch <laughs> Reckless Band and jerk off while watching it. <laughs> it is uh, grotesque uh, what they do to him, but it is, the dude's got a good attitude. Is the third episode up? And for somebody being waterboarded that much, you would expect them to break. <laughs> but uh, not joking. They waterboard the shit out of him. And they're like, dude, if you can't pass this portion, we're not going to be able to let you in the mansion. Which uh, looks like there might not be one. Yeah, so it's only the first one. The second ep- second episode was deleted. Weird. Yeah. All right. Well, the third one will hopefully come out. Will you watch it with me? If it comes out. They they may have gotten to him. They killed dude. him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I highly recommend that to you. So He's wrecked Ben. I completely forgot. I made a note not to even bring that up, but we did. Let's get back into the theater talk. I have a lot of FOMO, and I want to. I want to oh, share yeah. that. Well, you took us still on the hard left turn, brother. It's. I love YouTube. I can't help it. Randy's over there like, ooh, if it's not on Criterion, it's not film. Now, Randy was the only one who was <laughs> at, in this group that was able to fully execute. Uh, the Barbie Heimer uh, move there, Randy. So tell us about this. Indeed, yeah. Uh, I didn't do it back-to-back. I did um, Barbie Thursday night, and then Friday around 3.30, I saw uh, Oppenheimer at the Plaza Theater. All right, so let's be clear. He did not execute it. No, it's... That doesn't fucking Does it have to be a double feature? Part of... We talked about this before. Part of a marathon is the punishing element of being stuck in a cinema experience for like too many hours. Yeah. So Randy, no, he took the fucking, he had the, the bumpers on the bowling alley thing. I could do it again. <laughs> Go back to back. They're, they're called gutter guards. Dude. Gutter guards. Yeah. Alliteration. No breathing. Now, Randy. Uh-huh. How crowded was your theater? I mean, cause yesterday I ended up at two movie theaters uh, for reasons that are uh, supremely uninteresting. Um, but also, I, 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 I do want to say this. We have to say rest in peace to the Tanferan Mall and to oh. the Tanferan Citrus. No, I, it's not closed, Randy. It should be. It's, sure. like, it's like, do you know, if you're familiar with like parasites and how they operate and like bugs... You ever seen like a bug that's been like a beetle that's been completely been like hollowed out on the inside, but there's a parasite in there basically just using the beetle as a fucking ship. Sure. Yeah. That is what has taken over Tanfrey. <laughs> there's nothing there. It's an empty husk and there's nothing. It was crawling with vermin yesterday. But what about all the memories we have? Of the shootings? <laughs> <laughs> You can't beat me to where I'm God, going there. It is it is a dead mall that's still living. We yeah, got we got one here called the North Cab Mall that the only thing in there of any note is an AMC. Man, it's rough stuff. Yeah. But it's like, like I, the cheapest theater. We're going to see yeah. Barbie for uh two tickets for seventeen dollars total on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Wow, yeah. that's good. Yeah, also it's a they, matinee, but yeah. Did you guys notice they bumped up the uh Cinemark uh, monthly? Membership now? Uh, no. Yeah, How dude. much is it now? Eleven ninety nine. From what? Nine ninety nine. That's okay. It's a two dollar bump. Yeah. That's a Thomas Jefferson. Wait, who's on the two dollar bill? <laughs> is that TJ? Randy, no who's idea. on the two dollar? I did get um a lecture from Netflix though, oh, as boy. I one of the movies I'm going to talk about was on there. I got that prompt that was like, "Hey, if you want to share with your friends, sign them up." 
Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, uh, fuck you, dude. That was your whole thing was it was you were chill with it. So we were yeah. chill with you. But I, I, I don't know. I feel yeah, kind of beaten by it now. Can't tell that stock price. I, yeah, it's true. That, that, that money, you know, that third home in the Hamptons. You know, when the plumbing goes to shit on that, it's all bad. All right. Wait, Randy. So you watched Oppenheimer first? No, Barbie. Barbie, Barbie, Barbie on Thursday. Barbie first. Okay. Had to, you know, had to get there first day for uh, Greta Gerwig, big Greta Gerwig fan. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think I saw both of them pre 4 p.m. So both screenings weren't incredibly crowded. There was a decent amount of people, but they weren't overcrowded, really. God damn it, Randy. You're a Greta Gerwiger, dude. <laughs> dude, every showing has been packed. So did it yeah. bump out Mission Impossible? Is that like gone now? Or Okay, okay, okay. First of all. Nothing will ever bump out Mission <laughs> Impossible. Okay? Oppenheimer is head. on all the IMAX screens that Mission Impossible was in, though. Dude, it only had a likely. week. Had it a only week. had a fucking I don't, week. I don't think any of the new Mission Impossible was actually even shot in or for IMAX. No. They've just been what playing the- it there. But let me say, what a week it was. <laughs> all right? For a week, for a week, we were kings, oh brother. My, shut the fuck up. Randy had a great time. He enjoyed it yeah, too. I enjoyed but it. But he didn't fucking cry, which I can't wait to get to because I read <laughs> your letterbox and got furious, Randy. Hell yeah. So. Love it. Very quickly, Christian, are you a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, the greatest franchise we've ever known? I uh, regrettably have only seen the first three of them. Oh, I, you haven't even gotten to the yeah. new age, as I and call I, it. And I know that I will enjoy the hell out of them. It's just something I haven't done yet. Okay. Christian. Yeah. Make the time. Okay, I, I will. Time. I intend to soon. Make it a sub podcast of the Vinyl Floor, <laughs> Hell yeah. the, Mission, the Mission Impossible series. Make Hell it a yeah. Patreon. I'll subscribe. Perfect. There we go. And that's uh, it's a, it's fun. It's it's a fun, silly yet serious franchise that just does everything right. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but everything they do is serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not because every and furious. <laughs> no, no, and that's the thing. It's and like I love this, the Fast and Furious. I fell out. I, I fell think I'm out. going to on this last one. I haven't watched it yet because it didn't look good to me, and I I think this last one's probably going to be where I'm like I I don't. I'm several behind. I think I'm two, maybe three behind. Uh, seven was I've seen through nine and Hobbs and Shaw, and seven was the last oh, one boy. that was like genuinely great. Like I loved seven, and that's the James Wan one. Oh, yeah. That's the last one I saw. That's the, that's the one where Paul, Paul Walker died. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I was there opening day. That yeah, one, yeah. I was, that one, <laughs> I was that one still fucking in. rules. That I was committed. Rules. Yeah. That was great. Eight also, is pretty good. Nine is bad. And I've heard 10 is bad. Family. Yeah. Family. Olive Garden. I still think Olive Garden <laughs> over, over Fast and Furious. That's fair. When's the last time you went to Olive Garden, dude? Uh, it's been a minute. Do you know I got turned down uh, at a job for Olive Garden when, uh, like a decade ago? Turned down for what? <laughs> a waiter. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Randy, explain. Explain what? Olive Garden. Your fucking letterbox where you're like, I may have cried. Oh, we're not even there yet, dude. We're still on I the top know. of the show. He, he wants to put it in his review. Oh, okay, okay. He'll, he'll put it in the review. All right. Well, uh, we got anything else up top? Oh, I thought we were there. Oh, okay. No, no, no. 
you you need to do the oh yeah there's a timestamp thing yeah yeah you know honestly now that we've enslaved an ai uh i should make her do this but uh Helga. you know it, we'll start the show officially it's uh july 23rd in uh it's 1 p.m or it was when i wrote that <laughs> i i'm sorry i realized <laughs> that i don't need to do this job anymore i don't know if y'all are worried i mean christian should be you're a musician but the AIs are coming, and I just see it as an opportunity to be truly lazy, like I was born to be. I could just have all these other things, like doing my job. Yeah, but your energy doing this—that <laughs> exercise—is <laughs> below, like, a one hundred level college radio production class. I know. Like, what are you doing? Come yeah, on, I'm resting on my Pep laurels, it up, dude. baby. Prematurely. All right. Randy Michael Stamp, yes, we sir. turn the tables over to you over there in Atlanta, Georgia, where you were able to execute what I'm going. I'm allowing that you have executed the the Barbie Heimer uh, sure. movement. So he didn't. Congratulations! I'm giving it. So uh, tell us about your journey. Sure, I was going to talk about a little uh, short feature again before that. Well, fine. <laughs> Uh, it's called Happer's Comet. It is the director of Ham on Rise new movie. Ham on Rise movie came out several years ago. Bukowski? Um, yeah. It's a uh, adaptation of B- the Bukowski. Uh, it's not actually, but uh, that, <laughs> that came out in like 2019 or 2020. I, I think Factory 25 put out the Blu-ray, which I own. Um, very, very nice uh, looking Blu-ray. And uh, yeah, his new one is called Happer's Comet. Um, I'm not sure. So it's playing on movie, which is where I watched it. I'm not sure if it's playing theaters anywhere. Um, we don't need a stinger. It's cool. Um, Kick the uh, cow, dude. It is a, uh, no, we pay the cow. It's got to move. It's a 62 minute feature or (laughs) long short. This is the second week that I've had one of these. Yeah. Um, If it's 60, it's a feature. It's a feature. dude. It's a feature. Sure. Uh, (laughs) We were talking about Skinnamarink not too long ago, and although this is definitely not a horror movie, it is definitely like a vibe movie. There's, I believe, there's no dialogue in this movie. Um, too many vibes on this show, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll read the uh, synopsis on Letterboxd, um, which will do a little bit better of a description than uh, than I'm doing currently. Uh, it says a midnight mosaic of a suburb a suburban town steeped in alienation. While peering into the late night moments of many residents, we notice that some of them quietly escape into the dark. So it's really just like this. It feels like a movie that you, you missed the best part. Yeah, you left out the you best part. You left out the best dude. part. <laughs> on rollerblades? Yes, dude. It's funny. Who it's, skips rollerblades? You jerk Letterbox, off. Letterbox does not list. Does not put the uh, rollerblades part. But yeah, there are. People oh damn! Who fuck them. That was word for word on IMDb, yeah. except for via rollerbladers. Oh weird. Yeah, it stops at the uh, at the at the three periods oh, on Letterbox damn. for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's like if you watch this movie, I would say watch it late at night, you know, where it's quiet and you have like a really dark room and you can really pay attention to the uh, sound design. There's like, there's no, so only two people were in the crew that shot this movie. Um, There was no dialogue or no sound recorded on set or like, you know, in the streets. Um, It's all put in afterwards, but there's a lot of like really cool 
attention to detail um, in the sound and anything. And it's very, you know, it's very like immersive, sort of like a experience type of uh, movie. Um, the director, Tyler Terramina, um, did a little write up about it actually on Letterboxd. If you go to Letterboxd and look at the reviews, it's going to be the top one on there. Um, and I'll just read what sort of part of his statement about the movie. Um, says this film is a portrait of my hometown, which I imagine is quite sim- quite similar to much of atomized America. Captures the feeling of walking through upper middle class neighborhoods and feeling like an intruder just for being there. Um, and I think that really describes it very well. It's a really cool movie. Like I said, it it feels kind of like a experiential type of thing. Like I could see it even playing in like a a dark room in like an art museum or something, kind of like on a loop, and you can kind of just like dip in and dip out, but. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't watch it on like the best setup. I don't really have a super dark room and I tend to watch things during the day. Um, but besides that, I, I really enjoyed it and I probably will uh, come back to it and watch it again when I, you know, am a little bit awake um, post 9 p.m. one of these days. But it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd like to see what uh, he does next. Maybe something that has a little more uh, plot, kind of like uh, Ham on Rye, but he has a bunch of shorts out too that I haven't seen yet. But um, yeah, it, it, it's really good. So, Randy, why don't you have a dark room? I mean, it, it raises a couple questions to me. Yeah. Number one, it doesn't seem like you're going to pursue a hobby in photography. Correct. Okay. Well, also, secondly, what happens if you were to become vampire, Randy? <laughs> I guess I would just die. I don't know. That'd be it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the, uh, the cycle the, the would the be house, completed. I mean, it's a lot of natural light, and I try to uh, utilize that. I don't. I mean, I have a light on right now, but... What are you, Roger Deakins? <laughs> yeah. I love Terrence Malick film, you know? <laughs> that is true. Dude, it's funny that you went that direction. Because when he was like, watch it late at night in a dark room, I was going to be like, but late at night for you, the sun's still out. <laughs> That's true. Clearly, yep. you watch this at 5 p.m. I think it was like 6.30 or 7, something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets dark what? here at like 8.39. I was about to say. I was about to ask when the sun sets. <laughs> Peach thing. It's good That's stuff, awesome. though. Enjoyed it. And another movie stars? I enjoyed. Four. Oh, very nice. Another movie that may or may not have been rated four stars by me on Letterboxd.com. Is a, four star from, <laughs> a four star from Randy is, a four and, is the working man's four and a half. It's a perfect film. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That God himself made a four star. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I did the, you know, I did the two-day Barbenheimer. I watched Barbie on Thursday. And uh, yeah, the new new Greta Gerwig movie, which is directed by Greta Gerwig and written by her and uh, Noah Baumbach, who she worked with on Francis Ha, and they're married, and she was in uh, White Noise. Um, I really enjoyed their collaborations. I think their writing together in Francis Ha was just really worked for me, um, and I think a lot of that can be seen here as well. Francis um, Ha was good. Francis Ha is great. Yeah. It's good. Uh, I like it. But yeah, I mean, people have seen the trailers. I actually tried to avoid most of the trailers. I watched the teaser trailer, which is the opening scene of the film, which is, uh, it's the Donna Man sequence from 2001 A Space Odyssey, except for there's dolls and there's Barbie in it. Um, but that kind of sets up the whole sort of the movie where basically it says like, you know, uh, back in the day when dolls have been around forever, but a lot of the times, um, they were all sort of baby dolls. So the only thing that like people could do 
with them is like be a mother. Um, and then when Barbie came, by, uh, came around and was invented, it kind of like changed the way that, uh, you know, kids can interact with dolls and stuff like that. And that kind of kicks off the movie. And then you jump into a, uh, super vibrant, uh, you jump into Barbie world and it's kind of telling you like, this place is like perfect. And it's like, you know, it's obviously very tongue in cheek and, um, satirical uh, but basically it's like oh yeah we solved feminism in barbie world but uh things might not be the same in uh the real world and uh yeah you're kind of steeped into uh like i said very there's a lot of like really cool backgrounds and i'm assuming they're probably like matte paintings and just like incredibly vibrant stuff it looks kind of like uh i think she was said she was really inspired by like wizard of wizard of oz and like umbrellas of cherbourg and like gene kelly musicals and stuff so it's almost like technicolor. It's like, it's almost too much. It's a little, it's a little too much at times, but there's a lot of stuff in this movie, um, to enjoy. But yeah, basically in the trailer, if people have seen it, which I avoided and I avoided all of the sort of TikToks and memification of, uh, this moment, but like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, um, where you're in this utopia of Barbie, Barbie world, uh, where every day is perfect for everyone. Um, they're like having a dance party and Margot Robbie who plays stereotypical Barbie, uh, is dancing with her friends and she goes, do you guys ever think about dying? And a record scratches and everyone looks at her like she's weird or like something's wrong with her. And then she kind of plays it off. But that moment hit really hard for me. Uh, I thought it works really well in this movie. Like I said, I avoided it in the trailer and in the marketing, but, um, that's kind of, uh, what the movie, what the movie is. It's, you get an existential death obsessed Barbie, uh, Margot Robbie, and you kind of go on a journey to the real world from uh, Barbie world because they find out that essentially there's like some, you know, sci-fi thing where a portal is created between the real world and Barbie world and she has to go to the real world to sort of figure out uh, why this is happening and to sort of like close the portal. But while they go there, Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, sneaks his way into her trip there. And uh, he gets there and he realizes that everything is great for dudes there. Um, and then so when he goes back to Barbie world, he ch- changes it into Ken world. And there's a whole sort of like heist element to the movie uh, for them to sort of take Barbie back, Barbie world back for Barbie. Uh, you know, there's everyone, all the dudes in Barbie world are named Ken. So there's like a million Kens and then there's like a million Barbies and they all, you know, look different, different personalities and stuff. But um, yeah, there. besides the musical um, moments, which can be a little bit uh, much for me at times, there's a lot of like very human moments in the movie. Uh, like I said, I think the writing is really great. Um, yeah, there's just some scenes that uh, get really quiet um, and really just sort of focus on sort of like the existential sort of crisis and journey that uh, she's going through. And I'm all about that stuff. I'm all about uh, anxieties and uh, existential stuff. And I think that they, um, the pair of them as writers do a really good job with it. And uh, yeah, there may have been two moments, one moment towards like the middle and a moment towards the very end where I got a little bit teary-eyed. I'm not going to lie. Akin's hot pecs. <laughs> no, it's when it's when the narrator comes down and grabs two Barbies and starts smashing them together. 
Yeah, I was trying to, I thought it would be funny if I could like pull audio from TikTok of children who had gone to see the movie and were like yeah. lamenting it, but I didn't. And I, it is was, weirdly like an adult movie that is like wrapped up in the Barbie IP. I think they did a really good job of like, it's PG 13, isn't it? It is PG 13. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's all about, yeah. Uh, you know, existential stuff and realizing, uh, you're going to die today and how like being a human is, uh, can be very, you know, messy and shitty at times, but, uh, you know, there's also, also good things about it too, but yeah. Well, this it, is just a Will Ferrell movie, dude. Yeah, you know, he's Ferrell. in it. <laughs> it's a Will Ferrell movie. Dude. Well, no, here's the I thing. I don't love Will Ferrell either, but I thought he was okay in this. Barbie um, feels akin to like Playboy with me, where I feel like sure. in the 90s, the IP meant something completely different than now. Yeah. And I think culturally, there's been like, I mean, without anybody really shaking on it or anything, we all just kind of agreed this probably isn't healthy. Like like the Barbie yeah. figure and and now for it to come back out, you know, it kind of missed me at first because we live in a era of just like Frankensteining any IP, just bring it back, we can make money. Yeah. So I at first uh, like I mean I'll be honest, I thought this was just an honest like let's make a Barbie movie and make money off of it, but then I you know it started to realize well this had to be like sarcastic or everybody had to know like well we all kind of agree Barbie's like not healthy. So, and I just want to know if there were like any children out there who were, was anybody genuinely psyched to go watch a real earnest Barbie movie and then were bummed that it was like amusing on American culture? And Shapiro. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I was very happy to hear that. I, you know, honestly, God, I do kind of want to hear him lament. (laughs) I I do want to hear the 45 minutes of what he's got to say. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how people who on paper should be intelligent can just be such fucking like completely like so dumb. Well, I do because it's probably, you know, you're it's echo chamber bullshit and you're just trying to make your money. So of course you have to like try and take that on. Right. Yeah. He's pretty insufferable. I mean, the tone of his voice. It's oh my God. So what was his whole thing that it's like mean to men? (laughs) Yeah. I think he says that it's anti-men, which I, which I get like they, uh, like a stereotypical fuck? Ken or whatever played by Ryan Gosling is very kind of like just, you know, a dumb sort of beach beach bro uh, sort of guy. And, you know, he once he goes to, so there's, there's also a lot of buzzwords. There, they say patriarchy like a million times because okay. he goes and he learns like about what that is. And he like gets a very surface level idea of what that is, but then he brings it back. Then he's like talking about, patriarchy he's like oh you basically just did patriarchy and like did it good or something like that and the funny joke is that like all the tvs in barbie world once he gets back they're just playing like uh like looping video of like horses like galloping uh he basically thought that like patriarchy is like people like dudes were in charge and like they rode horses or something (laughs) like that he gets just like a very dumb idea and then i think vladimir putin thinks the same thing (laughs) There's a really f- funny, like, five or ten minute sequence where um, in order to take back Barbie land from, from the Kens, um, they, like, devise a plan where the some of the Barbies that have been discontinued, uh, like Margot Robbie's character, she essentially, once she starts having thoughts of death uh, and a couple other things go wrong, they basically say that she's, like, malfunctioning, so she has to go to, like, this area of Barbie land where, like, the 
ones that have malfunctioned go to. So essentially they like devise a plan to like take it over, but, um, they, uh, there's a scene where they are trying to distract the Ken. So they, they could take the other Barbies that get brainwashed back and like, let them know what's up. And one of them is watching the Godfather. Yeah. And uh, one of the Barbies pretends like she's never seen the Godfather before. Then he goes in this like, it's like, Oh, this is like Francis Ford Coppola, blah, blah, blah. And like Robert Evans. And just like goes into this like film, like diatribe that like kind of tails off. And uh, one of them talks about like pavement and he's like, Oh, post-punk, blah, blah, blah. And like wire and all this. So you could totally get like that Noah Baumbach, um, New York type of voice in it. Um, there's a straight up visual reference to like a uh, Monty Python with like the, the horse galloping when they're just like, you know, uh, miming it. Um, yeah. Bro, they're talking stuff. about Malcolmus and Barbie. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And it's, it's almost a throwaway line. Cause it's, it kind of like, it's cut really quick and that like dialogue kind of like fades out a little bit, but there's a lot of really, really funny jokes in it. I don't know. I feel like it's probably a fucking good movie. And also the ben, the ben Shapiro thing. So his argument is that they build a straw man argument for patriarchy. And just to like knock it down, that's I think he just thinks boring. that like you know the movie is pointing out that dudes are dumb, and I don't really think that that is the main point of the movie. I think it's about sort of like um, it's not really spoiling, but sort of like about uh, individualism and sort of like there's this whole like between you know Barbie uh, is her life predetermined or does she have free will type of thing. There's yeah. a lot of like deeper stuff happening. I think he just got a very surface level sort of like idea of what you thought the movie was trying well, to do from he- hearing you talk. It kind of sounds about late stage capitalism and like yeah. when everything's been done and you start to become like self, uh, like you're introspective and then you start to think like what now? And then you start to like fall <laughs> due to some mental dilemma. And then the dumb idiot moves in and pushes you out of the way. I don't know. It, dude, it sounds rad. I was completely wrong. I was like making fun of the film at first. And then I realized why Randy wanted to see it. I'm like, Oh, Greta Gerwig. It was originally supposed to star. um, It it was a completely different team making it years back. It was supposed to star Amy Schumer and I'm not making it. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That's my Barbie. And I would have been there opening day if it was Amy Schumer. (laughs) That was the original plan. Yeah. A a better uh, choice there. Greta Gerwig, do whatever the hell you want with this IP. If, you know, if they made more IP blockbusters like that, I think I would go see all of them. However, Uh-oh. I will say the next project that uh, she apparently Uh-oh. has signed up for is Narnia. Yeah, new Narnia. And I think I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Oh, it's too close to home, huh, Randy? It's fantasy adjacent. I can't do it. No, it's Christian adjacent. That's not why I sitting can't next do to him. Okay. I know. <laughs> That's and why we'll I see can't us do Lewis. it. That's right. Why? That's a weird. Okay. Why? The lion is Jesus, dude. That's no whatever. Idea. It sleeps tonight. Yeah. <laughs> There's money, money, but my, Narnia money. I There's don't know, man. Narnia. <laughs> well, dude. <laughs> you know what they say? There's money in Narnia. In the banana. ATM through the wardrobe. Yeah. There's always money, money in the wardrobe. Narnia. That's about um, cisgender culture uh, doing a campaign against the gay culture and mm. stripping them of everything. That's why they go through the closet to steal all their culture. That'd be, it'd be bears versus otters. <laughs> <laughs> no, the bears and the otters team up to fight against the regular nuclear family. People. That's right. 
Yeah, dude, Randy, Randy's you're in. Honor. So you yeah. and Randy? <laughs> oh, right. I would be, I guess. <laughs> I can't just call Randy one. We look, we look the same. That's true. And we're both wearing gray shirts, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, No pants. Yeah, no pants, <laughs> yeah. gray shirts. Continue, yeah, Randy. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, then I uh, I saw Oppenheimer on what Friday? Friday, yeah, three thirty. Yeah, it was after our thing. You went, uh, after, yeah, yeah. That's right. They, uh, yeah, Plaza showed it on seventy millimeter, um, which was cool. And they were handing out um, little like, Bombs? I think they did it for one of the uh, the Tarantino movies. They like they cut like a little like four uh, frames or so out of like a film print. Um, oh, that you could take nice. like as a you know little little souvenir or whatever. Um, so that was cool, but yeah, was very excited for the, uh, the new Nolan picture, you know, um, big, big movie, uh, three hour long movie with, um, Killian Murphy playing Oppenheimer, J what Robert Oppenheimer. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Um, ton of other people in it. Robert Downey Jr. Um, it's good. Florence Pugh is really good. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, like I said, it is long. It played pretty Quickly, I thought though, for me, I I never really got bored, and it's um, it's a very tense movie. You know, I, I don't think there's a ton we really need to get into about the the history. I think people know who who he was really, but um, I don't know from a filmmaking perspective. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed seeing it projected in seventy millimeter. Um, thought the soundtrack or the, not the soundtrack, but the score was really good um, as it well. It's it very. Was. Um, it isn't, I forget who he's working with now, but, um, I got it. I got to tell you the one thing that worried me about this movie is that goddamn poster. It's got like a Marvel vibe to it. Ludwig Gorenson. Right? Like he's, what the fuck is he in front of? It's like, what is this? Like a Dr. Strange movie. Mm. I was kind of worried. You understand that there are like five templates for movie posters. (laughs) I And it's got to be one of those. They got to get the mouth breathers in there. That's right. Who would be turned off by like history and like nonfiction. Although, I don't know. Did they punch it up a little bit, Randy? A little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, basically the movie really feels like you are inside Oppenheimer's head the whole time. Um, which can be sort of a what a scary place it is place (laughs) to be. Yeah. A lot of the time. And you know, it's, um, dealing with these really big decisions of whether to even, you know, build the bomb in the first place. And then, you know, as, as things go on, it's like, are we going to use it? Do we have to use it? Is someone going to use it first? Whatever. Um, it's really tense. Um, I don't, yeah, I think it just really kind of holds that tone through the whole three hours, which sounds like it could be, uh, exhausting, but, uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Is there a point in the movie where Oppenheimer turns to somebody and goes, do you ever think about dying? <laughs> he does say, I am become death. <laughs> okay. So close. Dude, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're going through IMDb, all the pictures, and there's like Russian posters and shit. And what a weird time for this movie to come out. Where Are the you, perfect time. Well, you know, you have like a proxy war in Ukraine, and then everybody's talking about like potentially using nukes. Yeah. Like everybody's kind of. Well, people need to know the history before it actually happens again. I know. Do you think that? Uh, I think it's perfect timing. 
You think they're like, we got to make a movie and remind everyone why we shouldn't do this. 100%. It's all part of our programming. All right, Randy, how's the nudity? <laughs> do we get a lot of dick in here? I don't we think, think so. Yeah. I don't think you see Killian's. Uh, no, hog. definitely not. We see Florence Pugh's titties. No pew pubes? We don't see Florence Pugh's pubes. <laughs> <laughs> there was an article going around saying there was full frontal in this movie. What? Of the- ladies. Oh, really? But Killian doesn't hang dong? Because he's done I, it before. I saw no dong. Yeah, I don't recall seeing dong either. And I would remember film stock dong. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's That's fair. a fact. Yeah, so this movie is definitely, it, this movie needs to go see Barbie and get up on its feminism a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, what the fuck? Well, Randy, what was the theater like when you saw it? Packed? Uh, no, like I said, I saw it relatively early, so I think it was before most people got off work, but uh, it was probably like three quarters full. What, what time did you watch it? 3.30. Okay, yeah, because I've heard out here, people going to like matinee like four. It's not really a matinee, but it's earlier than I would ever go, and yeah. it's been packed. Everything's been packed. What's the weather to to, like out there? I tried to go to a 10 a.m. this morning, and it was too packed for me to get a ticket. That's yeah. nuts, yeah. yeah. Is it hot over there? Yeah, it's hot as shit. It's in the 90s. I think it's just like a perfect storm. Yeah. Like get in there, oh, air conditioning. Yeah. The weather's oh, been terrible. Time. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. My uh, my screening actually about two hours and thirty minutes into the movie, the Plaza Theater uh, had a power blip because we had a huge storm roll through. So the movie stopped for about a minute, and they had to you know recover and sort of rewind uh, a little bit to get back to where it started. But that's not uh, a bad little intermission. Yeah, actually, it was really nice. I got to go up and uh, pee for probably the second or third time. No, they were showing Sound of Freedom in the next theater. And that's <laughs> where they were like, hey, if you want a refund, you can take it. Just remember, it won't count towards the box office. How many Sound of Freedom teasers <laughs> are you going to get? Well, we have to address the the brutal conspiracy and the oppressive government that we're all living under. When yeah. they're trying to hide the trafficking of the lizard people and our children. We're the perfect candidate for that execution. Yeah. So what did you think of Oppenheimer? There's no dong. Were there any boobs? All right. Now, I saw this yesterday at the Daily City Century, Century Theater in Daily City, California. Uh, uh, Russell, I would describe the theater as, as, as crawling, okay, oh. with, with people everywhere. Now, and I told you this to indicate of how busy this theater was. Now, this is a theater that you've, 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 not grown up going to, but uh, well, kind of when it opened, I was there. Yeah, because yeah. you were what teenagers. Yeah, you we were went teenagers. there. It was so long ago. We went there for the arcade. That's there you go. yeah. And when I told you that the third floor lobby had opened up for their concessions, your oh, mind dude. exploded. Yeah, I got I that fucking sucked. I would have loved to go up there and order from there. It's it's one of my favorite things is when you see one of these. <laughs> auxiliary concession stands in a giant theater that I was like there in my home theater where I grew up, I've never seen those side theater, those side concession stands be operable. Well, they're almost like a, it's almost like, remember when a lot of people came here? Yeah. That's what I think every time I walk by one of those and then I'm like, is there actually candy back there? Because like, do these registers work? And I would have loved to have it confirmed. So I, um, I had to take a quick pee break. In there and, and doing so, I was also getting a little hungry, getting a little, getting a little uh, peckish during this three-hour <laughs> runtime. So I went over there. 
uh, to the third. And also, Russell, it was directly across the way. I mean, I just walked right over there. I was in, It was just a perfect day, minus the 10,000 people. But that's the reason why yeah. that I was able to enjoy this third lot, this third level uh, concession stand. I got a large popcorn with Reese's Pieces, mixed it in there. <laughs> well, butter had a grand time. It was a wonderful lunch. So the movie. Was, <laughs> that's basically what I want to talk about. I want to talk about my popcorn. I because I thought about why don't what we you should have like popcorn bars. You know what I mean? And put whatever you want to have some nice mixins and fixins with your popcorn. Food truck. No. <laughs> food. What are you talking about? You know, just good. How are you going to get the food truck up to the third floor <laughs> concession stand? Feet not feasible. Uh, all right. Here's the thing. No, I, the movie's incredible. I, 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 it's great. I like, um, and I was talking to, to Christian and Randy before uh, we started recording about, you know, the, the editing. Um, I very I liked the frantic sort of non-linear storytelling we have here. Uh, shout out to Crispin Glover, our uh, our favorite <laughs> non-linear head out there. Um, it just works for the story because it it kind of it kind of has this dizzying effect. But at the end of the day, we know we are under the strong right hand of Christopher Nolan, who's going to keep us guided. And he's going to keep us spoon fed. So despite this, you know, editing that's all very artful and the, and the photography is beautiful. And like I told Randy, because the editing and stuff, like it reminded me of uh, P.T. Anderson's The Master. Because, yeah. you know, we're, we're also dealing with sort of the same sort of time frame. And also the landscape is very similar in some parts. So, um, and also the editing, it's, you know, going back and forth and kind of losing uh, you know, our own grasp of space and time a little bit. But he does pepper in things of like, um, anytime that we go to Robert Downey Jr.'s character, it's in black and white. Or we go back in time, we we use the black and white for that. Um, so, but there's still parallels. But I don't know. I, um, I think it, it is his most mature film. This did not feel like, and it's interesting that, you know, you remember when Tenet came out and Tenet was supposed to be the movie to bring back movies. Well, Oppenheimer's now been a part of that. I would yeah. say that Barbies did all the heavy lifting, um, but, you know, it's it's right there and it was, you know, great to be in a packed theater and people were talking about it. And uh, I mean, I think it's going to still make over a hundred million dollars over the weekend. So it did okay. I would really like to see the demographic like breakdown of who went to the theater, because do you think it's a lot of like people like us, like, like, like early millennial, like people who grew up with the film? Cause that's kind it's of a the mix, vibe I it's get. A, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, Christopher Nolan is a name. Yeah. He is a brand. So very much in the same way of, of Tarantino, like it's just a part of the thing. So like, Whatever it is he's going to bring to the table, he's going to sell some tickets. You know, when we went to the- This is uh, a movie about a scientist, dude. Yeah. No, and it's when we went to the Alamo to promote, um, we introed Cloverfield for uh, the Unnamed Footage Fest this year. And I was talking to Jake before, 
um, who's the program director for all the Alamos. And, and Nolan came up and I told him I never saw a tenant. And he was like, dude, I think it's great. And I'm like, really? You're like one of the only people I've heard that really enjoyed it. And he's like, well, I like it when Nolan's being silly. He's like, I think a lot of people put a like serious and like they put a lot of weight on his shoulders for being a like prolific director. But he's like, dude, uh, Inception to me and Tenant, those are like goofy movies that he's having fun with. Yeah, but that was and I'm kind of like, it is true because you're talking about like, you know, he is a name. And I think Tarantino gets kind of like the cool uncle vibe where it's like, oh, maybe he's a little bit too violent, but, you know, we're in good hands and he's not dumb. Where like Nolan is kind of like the stuffy overthinking dude. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe we should like relook at Inception and Tenet as being kind of like fun sci-fi movies. But I never watched Tenet, so. I didn't just, care for it. Yeah. That's <laughs> boring. Most people say that too. Yeah. Now, another thing I want to mention is the sheer amount of recognizable faces in this movie. Um, also, there's just a ton of people in this movie. Um, Josh and Drake and Josh, dude, yes. fuck yeah, what? Jason yeah. Clark. Well, Drake is in, in jail, isn't he? Macon Blair, <laughs> Drake is yeah, Macon Blair is great yeah. too. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Now, who else? The guy I want to talk about, who I thought, who who Matthew Modine is in there. Oh, Matthew Modine, uh, the great Matt Damon, of course. Oh, wait, hold on, I have a fun trivia fact. David about- Desmalchian. Wait, I gotta I gotta jump in here. We got trivia. Hit the trivia music. Matt Damon was on a break from acting as a promise to his wife with one condition. It would go on hold if Christopher Nolan called. As luck would have it, Nolan offered Damon the role of Leslie Groves and the break went on hold. Now, fuck you, bitch. My thing is Chrissy called. There's some fucking editorialism in that trivia on, on IMDb. <laughs> oh, for sure. Which makes us team Matt Damon against his wife. Right. <laughs> That's kind of shitty, isn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, one condition, honey. If, if Christopher Nolan called, and it's like, look at it. Yeah. Fuck you. You we know also, what? You did it wrong. We also got my problematic favorite, as the kids say, <laughs> Casey Affleck. Casey oh, Affleck, dude. great. Uh, a good villain almost in this movie. Dane DeHaan. Yeah, if you like beating women, stay tuned. I got a good movie for Jack you. Jack Quaid. Now also, <laughs> I will save it up. Our boy Benny Safty. I thought he crushed it in this. I yeah. heard he was kind of more of the villain in the movie. I guess there's there's a couple, yeah. <laughs> not that Oppenheimer's not the fucking true, villain. True. <laughs> what I I sense some hesitation on your Benny Safty uh, review. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, part of me just sees him as such a New York guy. It was kind of hard for me to to go with the uh, the accent he was going for. He went for it. He went Russian. He went yeah. hard. I think he did it. Good job, Benny. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, man. It's great. Um, score is incredible. It's, But it's also, again, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So every, every second is music. And also I was reading something before the movie um, about the movie. Because, I, I, Russell, I went and prepared. You understand? I was ready for the cinematic experience of Oppenheimer. And I I, uh, I read that the uh, composer gave Christopher Nolan 30 hours of music. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he was like, all right, let's pick from this. Oh, my God. And that's what they did. So did you leave entertained and having felt like you learned something? 
Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I, I think it it hits it hits everything that you want, and it doesn't it doesn't rely too much on his mind numbing exposition that that kills me. Yeah, not at all. That that like that's that's why I found Dunkirk so refreshing is because we kind of moved away from that. Um, and that's why, you know, Inception and things like that, it just, it, 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 they just, they kill my spirit. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, found footage, we've talked about it a lot where those films benefit from no context, where a sci-fi movie, I think you need to, you gotta, I understand. And, but yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you know, and that's part of how, you know, he packages things, but, uh, there was some different I think he's flexing different muscles here. I think that this is the most um, auteur that I have seen him. Hmm. And I thought that, uh, Randy, when we were in that sort of um, uh, questioning, you know, situation with Jason Clark and all that, when they yeah, yeah. do the, uh, the, the intercourse with Florence Pugh. Yeah. That was great. Pugh, but no pubes. Thank you so much. Hold the pubes. <laughs> uh, that was great. And so, like... I don't know, man. He's 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 uh, he's showing you some different things, and uh, there's some new arrows in the quiver from Christopher Nolan. But he's and, not uh, showing us dong. No dong from from, uh, and y- you know me, dude. I'm on dong alert all the time. <laughs> if you all listen to Cellar Dwellers, you know that we were all about hanging dongs <laughs> for so. sure. That's really and disappointing. What's up with this fucking nepotism, dude? He got his daughter in there, and she plays burn victim. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking yeah, that's hilarious. Cool. <laughs> Shout out to Flora Nolan. Daddy, can I be in the movie? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, she's British. Father, can I be in the movie? <laughs> chip, chip. <laughs> uh, Randy, anything else? No, I mean, I think the whole, like, uh, communist element of it was really interesting, too. I didn't really know that much about it. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some, you know, additional stuff there, too, rather than just, you know, he uh, he made a bomb and it was used. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty complex, the whole story and, you know, all the stuff that he went through and all the decisions that were made is a lot, lot to chew on. I think it's Robert Downey Jr.'s best movie. He's very good. Yeah. He's very good. Um, that was Tropic Thunder. All... Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, the... Christian, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I don't know. No, I, Tropic Thunder still, it's, that's going to be, that's near and dear to my heart. Of I mean, what he did there. I mean, he, he provided a gift for the universe Dude, that day. He got Talk nominated about, for an Oscar for that fucking movie. He did, as he should. And I'll tell you something right now. Put it in the books. Mm-hmm. He's going to get nominated for this. There's okay, no question. Heard, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. no question. I feel like this and movie I don't is going to sweep in a lot, of, a lot of what it's nominated for. And then Barbie will probably pick up the slack behind it. I mean... I think nominations they yeah, have yeah. To, I I think they have to lead. Yeah. The, right now lead. they're definitely the favorites. Um but yeah man, it's good. You should you should try to see it if you can. I, I I'm going to try this week. We I we already have tickets for Barbie, but I'm going to try to go see Oppenheimer by myself cuz my wife doesn't want to doesn't want to. <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, don't get me wrong, like it like Randy says, it does move, but Let's be very clear. It is three. It's hours. three hours. Yeah, yeah. Like, which I like. I'm cool with that. She's not about that. So yeah, if you make you know, if you make the proper arrangements, you can have mm-hmm. yourself a nice nice time. Also, it's time. three hours on the dot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think if you're in the editing bay, you think they get around? They're like, dude, it's three oh one. I'm thinking. Credits- can we cut it down to get an even? We all like an even number. 
They've got to. I think IMAX yeah, you have to. You've got and it. Kodak or whatever told him that that's kind of like the limit that they can do to for uh, the actual physical size uh, of the print. Oh, my God. Damn. Apparently, some theaters, the print was actually like too big for it to actually fit in the room. So Shit. they had to actually like go around <laughs> it. Yeah. It's like 11 miles long, around. apparently. Yeah, it's huge. What? Yeah. The pictures are insane. Yeah. yeah. it's. I think it's weighs 600 pounds, the print. <laughs> hell yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm a print of Oppenheimer type. Dude, hell yeah. I love it. All right, Christian, what uh, what have you seen recently, dude? Nothing all that new, uh, but new to me, I finally caught up with uh, fucking Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. That was, oh, that was new to me, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, Are, were you a big fan of the series? Yeah, I am. So this, I'm really looking forward to going back and uh, doing the return um, in full again. And then, oh yeah, uh, this gives some context. And then, uh, uh, I think this would be this is probably going to end up being one of my favorite Lynch films. Like I walked away from it being like, damn, I don't, I don't know where I stand in a ranking now because I really fucked with that. Quite a bit, um, but nothing new. I plan to see Barbie and Oppenheimer here pretty soon, and uh, I know y'all have already talked about it, but I did enjoy Blackberry quite a bit, and I saw that pretty recently. So Blackberry is incredible. It's, I had it's a very really good. fun time with it. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Now with Firewalk with me, I was really late to the Twin Peaks everything, mm-hmm. and I watched Same. that like gold DVD. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, you know, I got taken by it uh, at the time. I was hanging out with a couple of friends, and we would like watch them together and talk about them. It was kind of like a perfect way to like take on a show like that. Mm-hmm. And then when we watched fire walk with me, dude, it's such a, one of the things I love about film is that when you can kind of connect with people from like a decade ago and just kind of, you know, season two doesn't really deliver what you want it to. And you can tell when Lynch is showing up and you're like, damn, if he could have just done all of them, mm-hmm. it would have been a different thing. And you're like, wait, he did a movie. And then you watch it and you're like, dude, he fucking didn't give a shit what people thought about the show. No. He went and did something completely different that I just, I couldn't help but think about audiences at the time who were a lot of like, you know, people who were working at home all day or just like watching the show. It's like kind of a soap opera. And you go out to the theater excited and he just shits and uproots everything he did in that show. He pissed Tarantino off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, at the, when it premiered at uh, the Cannes Film Festival or whatever, I think Tarantino has a quote saying, uh, "It's finally happened. Lynch has disappeared up his own ass, or something like that." <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. Wonder what he thinks about the return. I'm curious because honestly, this is yeah. This having seen the return prior to it, I'm like, oh, this is like the setup for the return. Like this makes so much more sense uh, thematically, contextually. Um, and just the way that he, how fucking dark and crazy brutal, like it gets in terms of the subject matter that they kind of, when did Tarantino get his big ass head up his own ass? (laughs) He was born that way. Yeah. He was born that way. I think some people would probably say, uh, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is his masturbatory head up his ass movie, but, but it's very good. I love (laughs) it's so good. That movie bummed me out. Just the vibes of that movie bummed me out. I walked away being like, wow, everything is different and it's for the worse. Wow, <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> but yeah, no, that movie's great. Speaking of Margot Robbie. Yeah. So what is your journey going to continue from here? Have you watched the new Twin Peaks show? I have seen half of it. So I'm glad that I didn't get to finish it. So I'll get to go back now with the context of Firewalk with me and I'm going to restart it and go through it again. 
Um, but I think I got to episode f- six in it, and I think there's what eighteen episodes. 18. So I'm, I'm not even it's like fairly half. Yeah, it lasted the even... whole summer. I, I remember know, it was dude. great. It started in April and ended in September. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah, well, I'm really remember- looking forward to it. You got to look up all the YouTube videos too, because I remember leading up to it, David Lynch was doing those like conversations with mm. the characters mm-hmm. where he was sitting at the round table talking to them. I remember hearing like, about it, but I didn't see any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure those are all online. They've got, but, be. uh, the other thing, you know, I kind of stopped with fire walk with me and I haven't watched the new show, mm. but the other thing, like I kind of went down a weird rabbit hole where I was looking at a lot of fandom of like just how people were consuming the media Mm-hmm. And uh, the secret diary of Laura Palmer is a thing that I haven't gotten into, but apparently, you know, the actress, she does the audible. So you oh, can read cool. this kind of like complimentary text for the like in character, mm-hmm. like it is her diary voiced by her. That's so cool. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. It's like six and a half hours long or something, but, oh, yeah. Very but it's cool. an audio. No, that's super interesting. Yeah. And especially if she's like, narrating it that that would feel very immersive and like definitely canon like a part so what it's the runtime of inland empire jesus christ yeah the best easter movie randy's favorite movie the best it's pretty good (laughs) terry cruz's best film oh yeah damn i damn i need to rewatch it that was one of those movies that came up as like a a dare oh yeah do you want to watch it and i'm like all right but then I realized I kind of like those. I've only seen it once and I did walk away being like, I don't know when I'm going to watch that again, but I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was an experience and it was hard to get through, but it's good. Like it's wild. Randy's seen it more than the person who edited the movie. <laughs> that checks out. I like three or four times. You've it's seen the Empire three or four times. I think so. Yeah. I think the first time I watched it, I probably fell asleep watching it. Wow. But there was parts that like really stuck with me. So I watched it again. At least once, and then I'm probably at three because they played it at Plaza. I don't think there's a three-hour-plus movie I've seen that many times. I've seen Tree Not of even- Life. I've seen Tree of Life three times. Come on. I think that might be my most. I still got to watch the director's cut. That was my third time because I saw the regular cut twice, and then the third time was the extended Criterion nice. cut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Y'all haven't done the uncut Lord of the Rings, dude? Nope. Oh, no, that's not true. I watch those every year, so that's fair. <laughs> I watch yeah. I watch Yo. all three of those every year, yeah. Hell where yeah. where the fuck are like y'all that. when I'm trying to rewatch Cloud Atlas once a year? Dude, right? I love that movie, too. <laughs> okay, I'm full of shit, then. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm full of shit. Cloud Atlas no, rules. Dude, it's the true true. The yeah. true true, baby. <laughs> Good yeah, shit. By the way, we all hate fucking Cloud Atlas. <laughs> I love it. Do you really? I do, but I've only seen it twice, uh, and that was years ago. Did, have you read the book? No, I have not. So uh, one of the listeners out here, our buddy Sam, he contacted me and was like, you know, the problem with Cloud Atlas is that the book does an interesting thing with like the prose mm. where it's kind of like every time, you know, you know, you know what the movie's about. Yeah, yeah. There's a different take in the writing. So there's almost like a miscommunication between the book and the movie that changes it completely. Yeah, I don't know. I'm okay. not going to read the book. No, but I, I really yeah, thought I, you were going to say, honestly, I thought you were going to go, yeah, the thing about the movie and the book is the book is interesting. And- oh, no, no. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can only be mean if I really have, like, a reason to be. Yeah, I can't. I, yeah, I mean, it might not be a good reason. Like, you know, we always talk about how I never rate anything one star. And I think a one star rating is almost like Randy giving a five to a movie. 
Like it mm. really has to earn that. You'd rather That's write fair. a world star. Yeah, I'd rather I, write I can, a world. I feel that way. I don't think I've given anything below like a two in the past few years. And like, like I really have to not fuck with it for it to be below a two. And no. I can find some sort of merit for most things. A one has to make me angry exactly. when people bring it up. Yeah. It starts yeah, yeah. with one. And like examples Thing. would be I don't know World why. War Z. Doesn't even I f- or uh, what movie? Uh, World War Z oh, is one of them. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok. I fucking hate that movie. God, I really hate when that movie. When did you turn on you know, Taika Waititi? That might be a half star. You know what? I'd really, that's going to get the coveted. <laughs> you know, if I ever, if somebody tries to make me watch it, Again, uh, I'd never finished the full thing. I turned it off. I was so angry. Mm. Only the second movie I've done you to turn off. Dude, I fucking hate it. <laughs> I didn't even I turn. It. I fucking hated Yoga Hoser so much, and I watched the whole damn thing. Yeah, we were in the theater. They strapped yeah. us down to yeah, the theater. Yeah, we were one of the 19 <laughs> people who saw that oh in the theater. God. Yeah, I did not see that in theaters. I think the only movie I've ever walked out of, of the theater was It Chapter 2. We left. My Whoa. man, good call. I wish Dude, I could have followed behind shut you. Shut the hell up. Clark was such an It Chapter 1 fan. I See, it was fun. You saw it, it two times fun. in the theater. One was good. One was what, good. You didn't like two? Two was fucking terrible. No, no, there are two reasons that two is at least worth watching. Two and it's, sucked. It's the little vignettes. The gay couple at the carnival, that's a great moment. And the little girl who gets killed under the bleachers. Well, yeah, uh, I, I yeah, mean. I remember. Um, yeah. I saw those oh, parts. Yeah, Who, who's the Boston comedian who was in it that I liked? It's like yeah, in in Michael Joe McDonald, Rogan. like Bill Burr. Uh, hey, Bill no, Burr. the guy from um, Mad TV, Stewart. Oh, I don't. Oh, oh, um, I only know him from Halloween. McDonald, Kills. something. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, Michael yeah. McDonald. I think I think but, that might actually not, be his uh, name. Yeah. Not that one. The other one. <laughs> no, the look what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He was I saw Halloween half the Kills. movie. Yeah. Um, oh, he was in. Yeah, he was in Halloween Kills. Yeah. Was he? He wasn't in it, was he? The, I don't know. He like, was the gay couple in Halloween Kills. Yeah, oh, we're talking he, about Halloween. He was Big John, Little John. <laughs> right? Oh, I don't even remember what you're talking about. <laughs> How do you not remember? I went straight to Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? I'm talking about It Chapter 2. Oh, you Fuck that movie, dude. It started when we went to the stupid-ass Chinese restaurant and the fucking little things were crawled around and the CG uh, was so fucking yes. terrible. You've gotten empowered over the years because My, I remember when he first watched it, he was like, the CG was a little weird, right? That's where you started. So and now we're here where you're bad. like, fuck that movie. My wife and I walked out. It's the only movie that we've ever walked out of. Uh, and I was drinking at the time, so we just went to a bar and got drunk instead of watching the movie. Yeah, you it just had bad. a better thing to do. Plus, they did my boy yeah. Bill Hader dirty. The only they thing did. about they really did it. Chapter two. The only thing I didn't like was the way they told that fucking story. It was so weird. Everything it was convoluted. Sucked. Yeah, okay. There was no <laughs> ruin my day either. <laughs> yeah, they cut also, the kid yeah. orgy. Yeah, they cut the kid orgy. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Like Evil Ed? You cut the beaver rape scene. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'm about oh, to talk about it. that with Sound of Freedom. Kid orgy. Wait, you really watched it? God, we've been teasing. A chicken <laughs> orgy. How are you teasing? I, I got the conspiracy uh, theme all ready to go and everything. Uh, for, Christian, you got any more movies? Anything else? Nah, I don't I do not do anything. <laughs> so I, I was able to execute my own little Barbie Heimer. Okay? Because I didn't do Barbie. But what I did do was Sound of Freedom. Fuck yeah. So Sound of Freedom Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> Was seen by me. Did Sound of Freedom after um, Oppenheimer. 
The sound of freedom uh, is the bomb, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 we, we call it a truth bomb, Christian. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cool. What should Piero yeah. think of that movie? <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, that's an appropriate question. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, uh, unless you have been, you know, hidden under a rock someplace. Um, or silenced by popular media. There it is. <laughs> Sound of, uh, this is being... Um, not marketed in one area, but also marketed in another area as a QAnon movie. Um, Randy know, brought it to me as a QAnon movie. That is also correct, um, which I may or may not have sparked interest uh, by Randy <laughs> saying that it's it. the QAnon, QAnon movie. QAnon stuff. Um, and so, and, and you know, and it's interesting. Um, you know, from where I come, and uh, and I also. You know, uh, Russell. You know about my um, my secret Twitter profile. I do. <laughs> um, where Christian, I have a I have a Twitter burner account. Hell yeah! Uh, I understand. Just for just for sports reasons. Uh huh. And so also, uh, and with that, I'm also on a message board. <laughs> you understand? And they're even and so you know I you know I'm talking to my my fellow Southerners, so they're talking about this movie a lot. Oh, what's the chatter like? And there, well, it's just like, um, oh, you want me to pull it up? Wait, how can you pull is, it up? Is this, is this an infringement of my message board? Wait, oh, it's on a, uh, what's the board, by the way? It's, it's a, it's a 20, 24 seven sports. <laughs> it's like a big, it's a big thing. They do, they do like, um, they're basically a recruiting outfit. Oh, interesting. And so they have, they, they have message boards associated to, Recruiting and then it's just every <laughs> you individual. say recruiting, and we're talking about this QAnon movie. Oh, thank you so, so much. <laughs> High school football recruiting is what we're talking about. Let's get them young. Here. The parallels, <laughs> the parallels. So I can't pull it up. We're not going to do that. But oh, oh, come on. So here's the thing. I mean, you know, who are you protecting? It, it, <laughs> the things against this movie. Is probably Jim Caviezel. Oh, I thought you were going to say the American government. Is too. probably, I mean, think about it. You know, this is a man, he played Jesus Christ. Yeah. You understand? Not the superstar. Hold the superstar. Just regular old Jesus Christo. Mm-hmm. Also, Jim Caviezel, JC. Mm-hmm. And I think he's starting to get a little bit of that complex. I think oh. he oh, thinks he's, he's, he's Jesus. It. He's had that I, complex. I Whoa. think so. Yeah. All right. So I have a, I have a clip. Um, that I, I shared with Russell. Now, at the end of the movie, uh, which, yes, I will talk about the movie. Uh, at the <laughs> end of the movie, when we had the credits, that's all standard. But what is not standard is that for there to be a timer at the bottom right hand of the quarter of, of the corner that says a special message in, and then it has a timer, and it was set for two minutes. And two minutes, then the credits went to a split screen. We depalmed. <laughs> and we got we got the credits on one, and then Mr. Caviezel pops on the other side, and he delivers this three minute long soliloquy about the history of why they made this movie, the power that this movie is going to have, and then shared an R, a QR code for how you can share tickets to go see this movie. Um, the pay it forward. Program. So as soon as he popped up screen. I very incognitoly pulled up, incognitoly, new word. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll put that in the metadata. Uh, 
I I I I snatched I uh, I caught a little uh, snippet. I caught most of it, and then I sent Russell like a forty second clip. So. Uh, this played at the end of the movie, Russell. And a little context before we did do daisy chain work here, and it has been triple condensed. If it's unplayable, we'll we'll live, but here we go. It's incestuous. You know, Steve Jobs once said, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. Abraham Lincoln credited Harriet Stowe when she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. This powerful story inspired millions to rise up and fight against slavery. I think we can make Selma Freedom, the Uncle Tom's Cabin, a 21st century slavery. This film was actually made five years ago. wasn't released till now, with every roadblock that you can imagine being tossed in the way. And the names you see here on the screen took a stand, and they made sure this story could be shown. All right, now, were you watching the movie Underwater? Yeah, it sounded, <laughs> sounded horrible. Could y'all make out anything of what he said? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I could make out pretty much all of it. If you really try, you can. Basically, he said that uh, this movie, he wants it to be the Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, that's insane. For- <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy so it- thing to say. <laughs> when Holy he said that, hell. my mouth went, whoop. That's exactly, I was like, did I? <laughs> no, he didn't say Uncle Tom's Cabin. Abraham Lincoln cited Uncle Tom's Cabin. <laughs> like, What? Now, the intent might be um, something of virtue, but, you know, as a good speaker, you should know not to bring up, like, words that might make people go, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, really. it's, it's not, I, it, it, look, if he wants to do that, he's certainly not helping his case. And he's not helping his case by even mentioning fucking adrenochrome or whatever the fuck he said. And like, you know, uh, let's go ahead and say this. There's none of that in this movie. Yeah. This, I want to be very clear. This movie is about child abduction. That is what the movie is. There's nothing else. They talk about, they literally, they don't even talk about baseball. They don't don't mention anything. It's about abducting (laughs) children and selling them into sex slavery. Yeah. And everything associated with that. With what? Abducting what exactly? You said, you keep saying children, but I think that's not correct. So. uh, Russell, they get excited for this because I did not share this with you. I shared it with these two gentlemen. Um, so I was kind of looking for Children. any sort of, any sort of <laughs> clues as to, okay, as like, I, I, here's the thing. I wanted to take this movie in for what it was, right? But also it's, it's also a little difficult for me to not go in there. Not necessarily, I wasn't guarded, but I, I was maybe looking for hidden messages. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to take it what it was, but I was also kind of, the head was on a swivel a little bit. <laughs> Um, so I was looking for any sort of things that they would say. Um, so what they did do is that, you know, anytime they, the, the other side, the people in the game, okay, okay. would refer to children as chicken or chicken. Oh, it's like a code word. Yes. Okay. So we, uh, the, the movie opens up when Jim Caviezel and his, uh, uh, Navy SEAL team at the Homeland uh, Security um, Force, whatever that is. <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> they they go and they, man, the guy they got to play, this pedophile, uh, who was uploading all these pictures of fresh chickens. And then they, he was like on this message and he's like, I got 44 new chickens for you. And it's like, dude, it was so cartoonish. And I mean, I mean, I have, I want to be very clear. 
I have never seen a worse wig in a movie <laughs> than you have with this guy. He looked like a beetle on fentanyl. It, I mean, he was disheveled. He had a bowl cut, but it was a fucking wreck. I loved it. And also, oh, you you pulled up the cast. Mira Sorvino is in this movie, by the way. Yeah. She plays she plays Caviezel's uh, uh, wife. That's all she does. I she ha, I don't know if she's got dialogue in the movie. <laughs> I mean, she, it is the there is nothing to do for her. Um, so I hope she's okay. Uh, but all right, so yeah, chickens. That that is the only they they refer to the kids as chickens, um, and selling chickens. How many chickens do you want to bring to the party? Uh, and Jim Caviezel eventually had to uh, quit the force to rescue children down there because uh, his agency wouldn't fund him anymore because he wasn't bringing home enough chickens. <laughs> and so then he finally brought home fifty chickens, and I think they were like, "Oh, that's a lot of chickens." So then they kept him down there for a little while. Um, but the movie the movie opens up with uh, probably the most realistic um, example of how this happens. Um, and we're in Honduras, and this uh, these this beautiful uh, brother sister uh, group. I mean, uh, brothers probably six, sisters probably eight, nine. And they come home, they're at home and they have a, uh, their dad's there, single dad. And this beautiful woman knocks on the door and she talks about how pretty the kids are and that they need to be models. And next thing you know, he's taken them into the city and they go into an office and, uh, he's, he's about to walk into the room, uh, with the kids. And she's like, no, no, uh, parents will return at seven o'clock. And you're like, oh boy, <laughs> he's going to return at seven o'clock, but they're going to be gone. Sure enough, he comes back on the bus, which made it even more sad. Oh, I don't know. Dude, you're just yeah. on a bus in Honduras. I'm like, oh, I'm sad. And then he's like, oh, now no kids? Oh, God. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> opening up the movie, Sound of Freedom, missing two children. And uh, so basically the, the main plot of the movie, well, again, the plot of the movie is – Jim Caviezel um, finding the first kid. He finds the boy, and the boy's like, my sister's got got two. And so he's trying to find the sister. Um, he run, then, then they run into uh, Bill Camp, who's a great character actor who is in this movie. Bill Camp uh, plays the character called Vampiro. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, who Vampiro is... Is now when I was looking at the cast before I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, well, he has to be the bad guy. Nope, he's a good guy. Oh, hell yeah. So, who Vampiro is, Vampiro. is that he is this, uh, he's an American expat in Colombia who used to work for the cartel, got busted. The day he got out of jail, went back into the cartel lifestyle. Okay. And Russell, this is a story he tells. Is that the day he got back? Because Jim Caviezel, he asked him, he's like, hey, man, you were in the cartel. You did all that, you know, making all that money. Well, why, why'd you leave? Why are you doing what you're doing now? And I'll explain what he's doing here in a second. I'm building the story. And he says, he says, uh, you know, when I got out of prison, 
did. First day, I went back to my penthouse apartment, and I got me a girl, beautiful 21-year-old girl, did the dirty deed. He said that. He said, did the dirty deed. <laughs> <laughs> and then as she's getting ready, I found out she was 14 years old. And from that day, and, and, and he didn't say, but basically, he's like, yeah, shit's fucked down here. So what he does is that he stays in the, he stay, he he's a player in the human trafficking game because he's buying chickens, but then he's putting these chickens in foster homes. So he's basically buying children, but then putting them in safe houses and then Jesus. getting them re-ingratiated into society. So that's what he does. And so Caviezel's like, oh, I can use you. So basically he used that guy and then he got a, another rich Colombian he knew who used to help uh, his agency out. And he's like, well, so what we're going to do is that we're going to create this giant sex club um, and we need to buy this giant island. So they bought a fucking house on an island. Epstein? It's very similar to what Whoa, uh, with Epstein dude, sort of thing. Fuck? And then it basically, so it was, you know, this uh, ruse to bring in, you know, these 60 chickens. And they, they ended up getting the girl uh, that kidnapped our first two children at the beginning of the movie. Um, and also at the cre- in the credits of the movie, they actually show the raid in real, the real footage oh, okay. from the actual raid. Um, and also uh, the casting, pretty good on the, the girl that uh, <laughs> did the kidnapping. Because she oh, was like a beauty shit. queen uh, from, uh, I think, Colombia. And so, yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, we, you learn a little bit of the circuit uh, and kind of you know how it's done there. And um, as far as action goes, it's it's decent, it's fine. It never it never did not hold my attention, um, and there wasn't any crazy conspiracy things. It is just strange though that any time that you know in, in most movies, especially any PG thirteen movies that even hint around the subject of this. It's done very, you know, tongue in cheek and like, you know, not going to say the words and like, we know exactly what we're talking about in this movie and we're spending two hours talking about it. So like, it's pretty exhausting on that standpoint because, you know, um, thinking about, you know, children in trouble is not one of my favorite things to think about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the purpose of this. But again, if you want this to be the, the you know, to, to project your cause, like, it's not a documentary. This is a movie they made five years ago mm-hmm. that that finally has seen the light of day. Um, and again, you know, going back to, you know, it's interesting how this is being marketed. And if it is, you know, I don't know. The story behind it is far more interesting than what's actually on screen. Um, I And I'm, I'm very confident in saying that. Uh, not to say that it's a bad, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's weird that... There's a, a a a movie with Jim Caviezel, Mira Sorvino, and Bill Camp as Vampiro about child abductions. Well, it's kind of like when AI gets too good. Like somehow this faith-based studio figured out how to make a movie that's passable. Yeah, and also it's I mean, again, it's PG thirteen, so it's not very it's not very gratuitous mm-hmm. um, in that. And what I will say though is like anytime you know, but again. They want to be clear of like, they're fucking these kids. Yeah. And like the tagline of the movie is uh, God's children. (laughs) (laughs) The tagline basically is, and they say it at least two, three times, God's children are not for sale. Hell yeah. (laughs) 
which sounds like, you know, <laughs> some sort of Judge Dredd, <laughs> sort of like Truly. 80s action thing. But, um, oh, what was I going to say? I don't, I don't know. know. What about Colt? I, you know, here's the thing. And it's funny how shit gets caught up in like a political tug of war. But I've always said, you know, the left loves the racists and the right loves the pedophiles. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a bummer because you start to like oversaturate conversation with a lot of false claims and then they just mean nothing to you. So, you know, you, somebody gets called a racist and you're like, if it's on Twitter, it means nothing. If it's in real life, it's like, uh, maybe if it's like at work, but that word has no impact on me anymore. And like pedophile, dude, how many times do you hear fucking people called a pedophile too? Yeah. And it's like, the shit does happen. Like, sure. dude, one of my favorite was the, that bitch from Smallville. Dude, oh, the Nexium shit. Yeah, the Nexium. Oh yeah, she got Alice arrested for doing. Yeah, like and it's yeah. like a pretty girl, and you're like, why would they ever do that? And it's like, you don't really get to find out because the shit's such a like hot topic. Like, dude, My I tried store. by far. Um, I googled the lead because I didn't realize he just had the name Tim Ballard. Like, I was well, like, that's a real guy. Yeah, that's why I was like, who's it based on? So when I googled it, you want to, you know what Google said? He has like 97 kids. It says Tim Ballard, and then here's what it says under the name. The film itself is extremely loosely based on the work of Tim Ballard. Extremely loosely based. A high-profile yeah. anti-trafficking organization founder who made dubious claims of his own. Within days of the release, Sound of Freedom was claimed by the right wing, including some noted conspiracy theorist and Donald Trump. So what we need to happen is just Trump needs to die. So that this like bipolar. Put that say, yeah, but Caviezel will put his own stank on it too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. he said adrenochrome on like a Republican yeah. podcast. Whatever, dude. Tim Ballard's Maybe. also no longer with the organization. He, oh, he well, I'm sure he's a great down. guy. But it's like <laughs> after the movie started getting popular, he has stepped down from like all stuff. So everyone's oh, like, what fuck. happened? And that's not come out exactly why. It's the McCamey Manor shit. Where you're That's like, uh oh, he's trying to get in front of like once people start digging, yep. you know exactly. how the fucking he wanted the money, but the second people are now paying attention to what he's doing, he's he's getting a little squirrely. And again, um, when I googled that, it it's pulling from the bottom of an article done by uh, the Guardian, and the the headline of that article is "Sound of Freedom Past the Hundred Million Mark," but who's really watching the movie? Which is a question, you know, it's funny. Who's I, watching the watch? Yeah, exactly, dude. And it's funny because online in reels or on TikTok, you get a bunch of the other side where it's like, dude, the theater is sold out, but I got a ticket and it's empty. And I think you addressed that with the pay it forward plan. Yeah, the QR code. Right. Sure. So it's like, okay, well, people probably, I don't know how the fuck that's supposed to work, but. Are they, do you pay money and then they just find a random theater and buy a ticket with it? I don't know. I didn't do the QR code. I was too busy uh, recording the uh, <laughs> stirring message, the teary eyed stirring message led by the great Jim Caviezel. Which is one of many because I looked up the end credits. You know, I told you outside. Yeah. And I played it back and I was looking for the Steve Jobs kickoff point. It was a different end credits thing. Then I found oh, on boy. 4th of July, he had another one. Which was a call to arms for. And He's out of control, dude. At the he end has of the a mission. Day, He's on a mission, dude. Well, it's from you know, God. The thing that fucking stinks about this shit is it feels like the uh, Ethiopian commercials. Like there are starving kids out here. You know, like the fucking bit. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, well, give them some fucking food. You're right there. And it feels like he's out there like begging for money. 
which also kind of helps the film get pushed. I mean, and honestly, that's the shitty thing about all this. It's like, here's the thing. If you forced me to think about one of the, what's one of the worst travesties we have on this earth. Oh yeah. This is up there. Like that's, that, that's, that's bad. But it's like all the extra like bullshit around it and all the conspiracy shit. Cause like, yeah, it does happen. Who knows? I don't know. The whole thing's weird. Uh, the movie is fine. Three it, stars. It's very politi- It's very politics in nature too. Which is, like, which is uh, honestly, it's sad. Well, it's, you know, it's like pollution is a real problem. And then you have Greta Thunberg overblow it and she's pulling tweets down. And then it's like, well, now people don't believe any of it. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, but that's on us for listening to a child. Well, the thing is, there's money in all of it. <laughs> 16. Which is why you should listen to the show, because we make no money. That's how you know we have nothing. <laughs> right. We have nothing to gain and listen nothing to, to lose. Listen to poor people. But it is fun to dip into conspiracies. And, uh, you and know. Dip in, dip in dots. Dip in dots. Dip and that's dash. Right. That's right. Dip and dash. Oh, right. you got another movie, right? No, I'm done. You're going to, you're going to cut it. I'm cutting it. I was banking it's, on that for a bathroom break. <laughs> it's hot in this room. No, it's hot. All right. We need it. Then here, let me segue because fuck it, dude, I'll pee on the floor. I mean, this is, we're renting this carpet. They'll figure it out. Um, what do I want to start with? I too, you know, I may have lied a little bit because I too went to the movie theater, but on a Friday, no. On a Thursday. I kind of missed the weekend. Also, I'm a contrarian by nature. I was telling Christian this. You know, if you really want to be cool, you can't be in the fucking echo chamber. When people are like, oh, it's a fucking right wing movie. You just got to <laughs> fight that crowd <laughs> and go in there and be like, no, it was kind of boring. But, you know, it wasn't terrible. I'm not a member of QAnon right now. But when everybody's going to see Oppenheimer and Barbie, it puts you in a little bit of a hard spot. Because how am I, how am I going to fight the tide here? And it's easy. I'm going to go see the fucking horror film that nobody knows came out that same day called Cobweb. Let me read from uh, IMDb. Horror strikes when an eight-year-old boy named Peter tries to investigate the mysterious knocking noises that are coming from inside the walls of his house and a dark secret that his sinister parents kept hidden from him. I wish I didn't read it. IMDb, you've taught me this lesson several times and I fucking always come in blind why do you add that? I should have been like Randy and just cut off the fucking end of that. <laughs> um, cobweb. This is a fucking weird one. Um, I went to the Alamo one time and a local presenter was showing the woman and he said something that really stuck out to me. And he said the film felt without influence. And that's a, it's a weird thing to say. Cause how, how could you make a movie? We said it earlier this episode. Yeah. But I mean, I really want to like, expand on that because what what are you trying to say and it's there are a lot of touchstones in film i mean if you ever look at like a spielberg movie he's kind of created the invisible art of editing and telling a story and sometimes you watch a movie that's doing that but you're like it feels wrong i think malignant is a good example of that where you're like this is a weird movie like it's not really following the tropes but it's not like it didn't reinvent the wheel either and uh cobweb is like that this movie <laughs> opens up with an eight-year-old boy who's going to school. We are immediately um, made aware that it is Halloween. It's probably the East Coast. There's a lot of leaves on the ground. We don't get that out here. And uh, all the leaves are brown. All the leaves are brown, and they're on the floor. And when he the goes, floor, <laughs> when he goes to the ground, I don't know. Jesus Earth. Christ! Uh, they're on Gaia. They're and, on the vinyl floor. <laughs> yeah, they're on the vinyl floor. Uh, two episodes out now. 
Um, and we see him in the classroom. It's an old school classroom. This comes out on Tuesday, three episodes. Oh, duh. Okay, yes. perfect. I'm on top of it, Dave. Eh? So our eight-year-old uh, protagonist is the only kid not celebrating by trashing the room. Because you know how in movies they have like food fights? You know, you start a food fight, you throw one thing and everybody just jumps on. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of doing that with like school shit. Like they're crumpling paper and throwing it it's slow-mo. And we kind of like track in on this little kid who's just not a part of it. He's an outsider. Kind of like us seeing Cobweb on Thursday when Oppenheimer and Barbie opened. You didn't even mention that you went all the way to Union City. That is right. The only theater out here was in Union City. We had to drive 30 minutes, which turned into an hour and 30 minutes because of traffic. Of course. Yeah. When um, you go into the East Bay, you put fate in, in, in forces that are true. much bigger than your own. Yeah, we came back. It was 20 minutes. Beautiful. But we get yeah, out there. Yeah, because no one gives a fuck coming back. Theater's <laughs> packed. It was a good dude. I'm like, this is fantastic. We get into the cobweb theater and it, not only were there only five people in there, but it was one of those terrible things in the modern age when you digitally pick your seat. Yeah. And uh, instantly we're like, holy shit. Three of the five people are sitting directly in front of us. Damn. And these are. How big is the theater? Uh, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's not. Move. I moved yesterday and sound of freedom. I, know and you I was did. completely but fine about it. You know what? I'm a fucking I was sitting next to a fucking creep. I, <laughs> I had to get out of there. I, you know, I love conspiracies, but I am sheeple. And I was like, well, I told him I'd be sitting here. So I, I guess I'll crunch in behind this lady who's on her phone. Why are you crunching? Dude, it's weird. Are you on granola? Hey, no, again? no, Oksana can verify this. The seats were nice. They had like leather, they felt new, but they were attentive. No recliner, and you were sitting up straight. Oh, fuck It's that. like, you're going to pay attention to this movie. Pass. On top of that, uh, the seat behind you would be right up against your knees, and I'm short, so... Right? I hear you cackling what over there. What kind of hellscape did y'all go to? We're so used to those recliner seats. That's probably... That's just a regular movie and Probably. Yeah, and we're just like, oh God, how yeah. do we watch Without the stadium? <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't have stadium seating. Probably. You're, you are probably correct. We, we were directly on top of their shoulders and by uh their shoulders it is a uh, little family showed up a mom a dad and a uh my relatives what i thought was like <laughs> <laughs> thank you what i thought was like an eight-year-old kid or maybe even younger oh some chickens just a oh. chicken showed up <laughs> and, he <laughs> and here's the thing i was like oh that's so fucking cool and i you know again we we left the boy behind alone in the crib we're like he'll be good for like three hours <laughs> So we're like, I was missing him. And I'm like, I can't wait till he comes. And then we're watching this movie about this eight-year-old. Well, he's not eight. He's in eighth grade. What did, that, what did that fucking terrible synopsis say? Bo Burnham. He's a little boy. And uh, man, this movie's fucking bleak. <laughs> it's so Hell bleak. Yeah. Normally, when, normally Halloween is kind of like, when you have like the introvert protagonist, it's about like, today's my day. And I get to go outside and, and it's kind of like the world in my head is outside and I get to enjoy it. Sure. And in horror movies, it's usually like, yeah, but it came true, dude. And, you know, you learn a life lesson or some shit. This movie is about a kid who is trapped at home and he has no friends. And uh, like IMDb ruined, his parents aren't that great. And the, the reason we start the movie is because there's a substitute teacher who notices him. Her name is Miss Divine, which instantly Hell made me yeah. think of Pink Flamingo. Yes. And I'm like, is she going to eat poop? This is weird. Like, why would you name her that? And uh, 
she apparently is the only <coughs> person of color in this little town too. Yeah. So it's like Miss Divine. Is that like a weird? It's fine. And I'll tell you, the dude who wrote this uh, movie, shout out to him. He did a fantastic job. I'm going to pull it up on here so Clark can discover it. He also wrote the new Texas Chainsaw movie. My man. Yeah, so he's got a little sleeper film coming out. He's two for two is what it sounds like to me, Uh, brother. I'll tell you right now, I fucking thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's a... Oksana, find his electronic uh, mail address. (laughs) Contact. Oh, yeah. Dude, here's the thing. It's a little movie, and we're in a house, and the parents get annoyed. So what happens is, you know, there's this trope in horror movies when a disturbed kid is kind of quiet and they draw a picture and it's like a ghost and mom's head is cut off and they're like, Oh, what's wrong with the children? Well, in this one, he draws the most Randy picture I've ever seen where it's all black. He's got a bed and it just says help (laughs) (laughs) on top. And the substitute's like, she's looking at it and she's like, should I say something? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's never been so clear that somebody needs to jump in. So when she jumps in, Randy, how do you think about that as a uh, a future album cover for opinions? <laughs> Could be all right. So at yeah. first, I thought you were using the term as in like horny, as like uh, Austin Powers <laughs> would do. <laughs> no, so dude, she shows up with the picture, and the mom's like, "Oh well, thank you for bringing this to our attention." Now, what what's been happening is the little boy's been hearing a voice and a knock on his wall. Now his room is barren. In unison? Uh one followed the other. The the voice is it's all new. Beatboxing? It's beatboxing. That'd be sick. But his wall is like it felt what was that movie we watched? Um with the the egg? It was like a Swedish Hatched. film. Hatched. Remember Hatching. Hatching. Yeah. Remember how all the wallpaper in that movie was like its own fucking character? Yeah. He's got a room like that. Oh hell yeah! And it's like, dude, put a fucking poster on there. Put a put a shelf. It's just a giant empty wall. It's like, yeah, of course you're gonna start hearing weird shit and talking on the wall. Well, anyway, when the the mom gets the picture, it starts to turn into a uh, oh, you know, they're not letting him trick or treat. And instantly, I'm like, is he a Jehovah's Witness? Like, what's going on? But then they're like, no, a little girl was killed last oh Halloween. And then you you're like, well, I'm hearing a girl's voice in that room. Did they kidnap her? Was it COVID? Was it uh, child slave trafficking? Yep. Did they abduct a chicken and put her mm. in the wall? And um, so when the picture shows up, they're like, you're grounded. And the dad flips and he's like, and she, the, the mom's like, go to your room. He's like, no, I said he's grounded. So what do you do when you ground a kid? You reveal the hidden door behind your refrigerator and put him in the basement. That's what happened to me. And I'll tell you right now, this is where I'm going to end talking about this movie. That's like the first of three large changes in tone and like genre this film and i'll tell you one there's a creature in this movie um the only reason i'm bringing this up is because terrell pointed out that deborah wilson played it what from mad tv oh you don't have to tell me dude deborah wilson plays a creature in this movie and it's fucking good that's awesome so she's also kind of become a creature in real life she's a tattooed bald lady now and uh power to her this movie is it deserves eyeballs people need to go watch it and nobody's even gonna know it came out now can i tell you uh you talking about it and just sort of i'm getting some sort of uh antler vibes antler isn't as weird as this movie is though okay but you're right antler is another one that feels kind of Antler almost did it for me antler was good it it almost i liked antler yeah it had like a Western vibe. And Scott it, Cooper is like, he's, he's almost so close, close to making a good movie. He's so close. It's every time. Yep. Yeah. So 
This is weirder than Antlers. Most times. Yeah. The the Johnny Depp one, no thank you. Um, I Black yeah, I highly yeah, I highly recommend this movie. I think I give it four and a half. I can't remember what my gripe four was. Four and a half. I can't remember what my gripe was. I'm like, this why is a mall horror movie, dude. It's fucking <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a mall horror. This is a like Amazon Prime movie that you're like, I wish I had people to talk to about this film. Is this like the I'm Empty Man? About- like seeing the Empty Man? Yes, Empty yeah. Man was another one where you're oh, like, that, why see, is there not? See, see, you're chasing, you're chasing no, waterfalls. Christian's dude. fucking gets you're it. chasing <laughs> waterfalls right I like now. The you know, Empty Man a lot. See, you know, if I kept my biological father's last name, it would have been Christian Sin. That's why me and Christian are connected. We get Boom. it. We're fucking cool. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Oksana. Clark gave me the weirdest look. Like, where, what are you angling at there? <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I, we touched, we played footsies under the table right there. I didn't mean to do Oh, that. did we? Uh, no, no. I, oh, you I, pulled away like you, you didn't want it. So I felt No, like I, I had bare. I didn't feel the thing because I don't have my shoes on. I'm barefoot right me now. Me too. That's why I was like, Ooh, you, you pulled fuck, away so I'll quickly. Don't touch your feet. I don't give a <laughs> fuck right now. No, it's not a dare. I know you like to double dog down or whatever. You know me, dude. All right. Now, Oksana, can you, uh, you know, corroborate yeah, on uh, Russell's wild, wild four and a half claims uh, for cobwebs? Something that is uh, in f- we have far too many of in this household. <laughs> First of all, you guys are calling it antler, and I don't know why it's antlers. I said antlers, but that's a that's fair because it's cobweb, not yeah, cobwebs. We searched it. Okay, I- Ed, Randy, fix that in the edit for these two <laughs> pedantic fucks. <laughs> No, I, I agree. Um, it it started off. It's first of all, it is rated R. It felt like it might be like a PG thirteen titties. It's a lot of no. f bombs, dude. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a uh, confused like scary stories to tell in the dark, where it's intended for kids, but it's too scary for kids, too boring for adults. This is not that movie. This one. It it made us jump. It was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Did you just steal my fucking my you know, if you're following me on Letterboxd, you would know the plagiarism that just occurred. I believe I called it a rated R goosebumps movie. Oh. <laughs> How Sorry. dare you, Oksana? Dude, it's good. Also, it's it's very of the holiday too. So when you watch a Halloween horror movie, you really want in it July. To, you want it to embrace it, and the the one of the things that makes it so bleak is the kid is trapped indoors, but his parents have a pumpkin patch in their backyard, and it's uh not the kind you're used to seeing in a movie. Now is he also trapped in the closet? Is it I an didn't R. get Kelly that situation. Actually, he feels a little bit too young to even have tackled that internally. He might be. Uh, shit's gonna get weird for him growing up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, Dude, we got weird for R. Kelly. Also, some of the most, per- t- me and Terrell were talking about this in the theater. We're like, how many fucking perfect pumpkins are in this movie? It made, I mean, if only we could live in that world. Also, Gary Busey's grandson is in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Barry the lead, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Barry the lead, dude. Who, was he a bully in this movie? Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a creature. There's a home invasion. Oh, Anthony a- uh, from the boys. Who? Anthony Starr. Yeah, he's Homelander from the boys. Dude, Woody Norman, the kid that plays the kid. Yeah, he's got hair like, and I think you should leave. The dog oh, ears. No. He looks like <laughs> he looks like the drummer from the Strokes or so something. Not in the movie, but in his IMDb profile, he's got the like. That's he's got incredible. the dog ear hair, dude. The dog ears. All right. Good. So that's one of three. Also, while I was at the theater, you know, I'm 
I'm very aware. I also have my head on a swivel. And while I was making fun of Barbie, which I did pop into, for some reason, this theater, I think it was Century 25, all of their showings had the doors open the entire time. What? So I did not feel weird when I just popped into Barbie and I'm like, I'm going to watch enough of this to know I don't want to watch it. That doesn't seem good for acoustics. No. And uh, I was like, "Ah, I kind of want to watch Barbie. And then when I was leaving, I was uh, talking to Terrell. I was trying to be mean about Barbie, which he was going to see the next day. And a girl came out and looked at me like I was making fun of the movie she just stepped out of. Yeah. And I looked at her and I felt bad. And I looked up and it was Sound of Freedom. And I went, oh, oh hold on. I'm going to pop in here really quick. <laughs> and I just wanted to see if anybody was in the theater. Yeah. You got to guess. It was packed. Packed. I think it might have been sold out. Was it playing? It was on. Yeah. It was, was Vampiro there. on screen. I have no idea. I, I was not concerned with the film. Just if anybody was there. Can, I will say, going back to Sound of Freedom here very quickly. <laughs> Vampiro is worth your price of admission. Dude, he looks great on the IMDb He's profile. He's fun. He also, I don't know if there's a scene where he's not smoking a cigar. It's very fun. When you say price of admission, you mean he's worth figuring out how to get one of those free tickets? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Dude, he's worth half a chicken. How do you get oh. one of those? <laughs> I like every time you say. I don't like the chicken thing. Like, I, I really don't like it. It's really think, bad. Dude, it's bad. Watch. This, we're going to end the vinyl floor. Christian came on the show. <laughs> and it, and uh, next thing we know, it's just not going to be up there for play. Um, oh, God. Pr- He'll ask Randy to- what happened. He won't tell <laughs> you. <laughs> He'll be like, dude, I, I said, do you want to go get Popeyes? And he just stopped talking. He just stopped talking to me. <laughs> do you all have Popeyes out there? You probably got oh, some. Everybody's yeah. got Popeyes. Popeyes. Okay. Yeah. We got Shit Popeyes makes me too. feel lethargic. After they probably got, uh, dude, young guys, young- is so good. And it makes me, yeah, it makes me dead afterward. Same, I feel like yeah. trash after I eat it. Yeah, but I still do it. I still Same. eat it. Same. Um, you all got Bojangles out there? Mm-hmm. We got Bojangles. Honestly, our Publix uh, grocery chain has uh, some of the best fried chicken. Oh, let me tell you something. You can't. You cannot discount a uh, grocery store fried chicken. It's situation. so fucking good. Oh, fuck. It is rotisserie. So, so good. Oh, Every, no. Their rotisserie m- most is great, but their stores, fried is better. Yeah. Most grocery stores know how to fry good chicken. Yeah, That's it's nice. Fact. It's really good stuff, and it's cheaper than Popeyes a, and all of that. Do like a mini doc on like the dude at like a grocery store who's frying chicken well that's what i would like a character profile i've always wanted to do a documentary on uh mattress sales people because what do they do in that store all day (laughs) (laughs) like you're not selling that many mattresses well if you're um punch drunk love if you're uh philip seymour hoffman and punch drunk love you're uh you're stirring some shit up and punching people in the face that's true all right um, speaking of mattresses, I'll talk about a movie Oksana fell asleep during. Uh, y'all were out having a great time in the theater. And, you know, we're, we're over here living the family life. And I'm just glaring at the boy. Like, well, it sounds like, it sounds like Oksana's living the family <laughs> life. That's um, why she's sleeping in movies because she's doing all the work. <laughs> Would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> so I'm, I'm glaring at the boy and I'm like, it's your fault, dude. I could have been doing Barbie Hyman. What's it called? Barbie Hyman. Barbie Hyman. <laughs> Barbie Hyman. <laughs> I think that might be a porn or something, but I could be out there. Clark said there are a bunch of women dressed like whores out there. So, And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to find something nobody's talking about. And I open up my phone. And what do I get? But a message from the grave. As oh. another conspiracy came all the way around. And Jamie Foxx is back. 
He nobody had heard from him. He went to the hospital. He was very ill. I heard many conspiracies about how, like, but not in a cool way. Jay Z had had him killed. Like, there's a whole thing on Jay Z and how what he does to other rappers. I don't go what, look into that. Can I ask you something? How did you become the rap conspiracy <laughs> theory guy? Well, because I, you know, just the people I talk to and I. I'm a veteran of conspiracy theories and I think they're fun to listen to, but like it's, it's a bummer when they come true, but it's so rare. And uh, it's funny how like a new culture has been captured by the idea of the Illuminati and it like popped up in the um, uh, house party remake. And I'm like, wait, what is going on? Like, like the Illuminati has become like an urban thing now too. Yeah. So the Jamie Foxx thing is just, it's lit up. You could go look into like all the theories on why he was gone, why they shut him up. And um, in, in the talk, he was like, oh, you know, I'm, thank you for all the support. And it was a really nice message. And he's just like, you know, I have a new movie out and I, I'm really proud of it. I hope you guys check it out. Now, uh, spoiler alert, I did watch two Jamie Foxx movies. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, he's clearly talking about God is a Bullet. And uh, I don't think he was. <laughs> I think he was talking about they clone Tyrone, which is a Netflix film that has just come out. And I'll be brief here. I part of the reason why I pushed to watch this movie immediately. It is two hours long. Was I wanted to beat Clark and Randy to it because I this seemed like something that would end up on both of your radars. And um, I like a rhyme. I'll tell you, it's um, it's fantastic. It's really good. And uh. I don't know what I want to say about this movie. It is a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk aesthetics. So the film looks like it is a grindhouse movie from the seventies that takes place in like the hood. Our main characters are a drug dealer, a pimp and a prostitute. And, um, they kind of the turn butcher, the thief, his yeah, wife or ex- lover. Exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing. They all turn into kind of like pulp, uh, heroes. So it's almost like Pulp Fiction where you take like, you know, a boxer and a, like you do that. But what's interesting is everything they talk about is modern. Like at one point, uh, Jamie Foxx plays the pimp, which he's fucking fantastic in this movie. He's a good actor. Um, I don't plays, know if you know that. He plays Slick Charles. Dude, he's good at everything. That's a good name. Um, and <laughs> one of the hoes is telling him about how she's out. I'm, I'm fucking leaving. Uh, I'm, and he's like, well, what the fuck are you going to do? You don't know how to do anything. And she's like, blockchain, motherfucker. And it's like, but, you know, they're in a hotel room that has the, you know, you can feel it. It's in the 70s. And honestly, I didn't. Oksana pointed it out to me. And she's like, what era is this? And their TV is a tube TV. But everything they talk about is modern. And it feels like a almost like a it follows kind of disconnect, like, like um, out of time and space. But it's not. And everything in this movie is thought of very carefully. It's uh, style. It, there's style running throughout this whole thing. And I think just a way to tease it, because I know we could probably talk about it next week, is think of a modern kind of they live. I know me and Christian were talking about um, The Thing and our love for John Carpenter. And I think this was a really well done, thoughtful reimagining of they live in like a different kind of culture for a modern audience. And it really, it really, really worked for me. Um, Yeah. But you know what? I, yeah, fuck it. I'm not going to get into it that much. Well, you, you buried the lead again because the great David Allen Greer is in this dude. dude. Um, 
It, it's really good. You lead with dad. I'm not, I don't want to tease anything here. I will say that uh, the thing that- Kiefer? The conspiracy theory angle, and I knew, well, actually, I did know by this time that you had seen Sound of Freedom. I thought it would be a, like a fun add-on there, but uh, it's it's a really good movie. So we can talk about that next week. Um, Hell yeah. So the other Jamie Foxx movie, I became convinced that there was a conspiracy theory about because nobody was talking about it. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about God is a Bullet. This is a movie you may have not heard about. I only heard about it because I talked to an, to an angry special effects artist named Bill Spataro, who is, again, he works in the industry and he watches movies. It's his religion. And I always turn to him for, like, what's a weird one that I can talk about? And he's like, hey, well, are you going to see God is a Bullet? Because it, it had a theatrical uh, date. And it kind of came and went. And I'm like, what the fuck is God as a bullet? It's XYZ. And he was like, dude, Jamie Foxx is in a movie with, uh, he plays a arms dealer with one arm who has vitiligo, who teams up with a uh, cop who is kind of uh, taking a big life change, gets completely tattooed and teams up with the next cult member to find the cult that did a home invasion and abducted her, his daughter. And I'm like, there's a lot going on there. And S. Craig Zoller has nothing to do with no. this movie? In fact, it's Randy's favorite director, Nick Cassavetes, who I, <laughs> who when Randy came Never here with two, book. two romantic films, and I called Cassavetes the king of the romance, uh, citing the notebook. Uh, also I'm, Alpha Dog, dude. And Alpha Dog, which is another, right. that's a movie I used to drink and watch. Of where it's like, that yeah. That is, that's. That's a fucking I'd shitty. I'd sign off on that. Yeah, um. So I'm like, wait, Cassavetes directed and wrote a movie about a desk jockey. Adapted. Cop, adapted up from a novel. Yeah. So, By, uh, it's a pseudonym. Boston Turan is not a real person. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on. I couldn't find anything about it. I know um, critically it, it wasn't getting any love and I kind of knew why. So first off, I will it's say. it's not good? No, no. I really liked it. This movie felt yeah, like. Yeah, but you like filth. That's true. That is true. I did, uh, when Christian mentioned, um, uh, what the fuck's his name? Valentine 666. Lucifer, yeah. Yeah, Lucifer. I had actually seen a couple of his movies, which Christian was like, oh, I regret showing up today. And uh, <laughs> that is true. And I will note that early on in this film, I did tease it earlier, several women are punched in the face. And it, you know. Any chickens punched in the face. <laughs> um, you know, oddly enough, a Sound of Freedom, uh, there's a little bit of that going on here. and I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned Zoller. As much as being said about this thing. Well, you, you were talking about how people are like comparing it to Zoller's work. And that's it's perfect. That's a great way to do it. Where you start to feel... Yeah, but Zoller's... He, he's smart. But that's where I think the disconnect is. I think Zoller is an edgy writer who makes good scripts and yeah. good films right where i think nick cassavetes is coming in with a little bit of like an edgelord mentality i think he's always kind of had that a, a bit i mean I, if we if we go back to i believe it's the uh the third season of entourage um where the great nick cassavetes shows up uh, playing nick cassavetes okay um as quintessential cool guy do <laughs> you want me to hear let me let me dig it up 
There he is. That's God. his name. Christian, that's our theme. Anytime we, we talk about anything cool guy related, Hell we have yeah. to hit the stage. Yeah, we have a guitarist that we wake up. Yeah, so you need to be playing that after you say my fucking name then. Come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh... Wait, yeah, what did he do in Entourage? He show up and he's like, hey guys, I got Dogecoin. He's doing... Uh, well, Vinny, <laughs> Vinny was doing a... Uh, this predates Dogecoin. That's right? why he was an edgelord, dude. That's it. He, he was, was an a, early adopter. He's a renaissance edgelord. Um, I don't know. He just said, also remember, he is the son of John Cassavetes. Yeah. So think about that. And he was an edgy motherfucker for sure. He was an yeah. edgy motherfucker. And this, and now he's got to be his own edge. And he's like, fuck you, dad. You made art. I'm going to make the notebook. <laughs> You know? Wait, you know, a lot of people defend that film. In fact, it might even be out on Criterion, which is why Randy is a heretic. No, it's not. not the movie it. sucks. <laughs> I've seen, seen it. it. I saw it. Watch. Criterion Network. Go check it out. Um, again, you know what? I should read from IMDb. Taking matters into his own hands, Detective Bob Hightower tries to infiltrate an evil cult to save his kidnapped daughter and avenge the murder of his wife. See, I like everything about that. No, and it's good. Almost, so I was watching it with a friend. He came over and he loves action films. So I'm like, what can we put on? I'm like, oh, fucking perfect. I, somebody who would be into God is a bullet. Here's the thing. You almost think it's a faith-based movie just because like God is kind of upfront, but they use it to juxtapose how satanic the cult is. And as a horror fan, you get... You can't help no. but roll your eyes. There is like, no there is no darkness without light, Russell. Dude, I, it's a, <laughs> it is the yin to the yang. And it gets old, dude, seeing cults portrayed in horror movies because it's like, oh, some robe figures, cool. Like, we get it. This movie, they really double down on um, just what it is to be a shitty person. And they really do a good job. Like, I always, I always talk shit on like, oh, this guy's sadistic. And I always give that, that tired now metaphor of a, or the example of uh, there's a private island and the evil guy has a henchman holding an umbrella to keep the sun out of his face. Yeah. But the henchman trips and he gets a little bit of light on him. So he kills the henchman. This movie doesn't do any of that, but it, it articulates a real life scenario of evil people. Yeah. So um, also there's a, there's a little bit of a romance between our, it follows Vixen. Uh, what's her name? Micah Monroe. Micah Monroe. You would know, Randy. I was just yeah. <laughs> Hey, me and Randy both agree that she was fantastic in that Roman Polanski apartment movie. What was it? House? No, that movie stunk. I like that movie. What was it called, Randy? I don't know. Repulsion? No. Oh, <laughs> like the, the really old one? Dude, Repulsion is the shit. Let me look it up. Was she Carnage? not in that movie? No, Watcher. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. not an actual Roman fucking. No, 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 movie. no. But it's very similar in theme. Yeah. I was, and yeah. you know, it's funny because I didn't even know it was her in any of these movies. You have face blindness. I well, I no, I'm a child. Also so that. when I watch a movie, I'm like, whoa, I'm in a new world. And Oksana was like, <laughs> Oksana was like, is that the girl from It Follows? And I'm like, no way. And she's like, yeah, the one in Watcher. And I'm like, you got these all wrong. Again, Oksana was like, no, she's fantastic. She's from, from the stills I've seen, she looks pretty different in this one, though. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. she looks fucking I haven't seen edgy. this flick, but yeah, she looks, yeah, like an edgy punk chick. Well, she's an ex cult member. She tattooed it. Here's here's how oh, well, very heavily. Oh, she got her clit pierced. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh my god, dude. What the fuck? 
No, they you went where Oppenheimer was too scared to go. That's her. Oh, oh, I understand. So part of the part of the thing in this movie is that they kind of go against traditional action infiltration scenarios where it's like, here, I'm going to pretend to be a cult member and I show up and you like are a clean looking dude and they they buy it. She looks pre Malone. Like one of the one of the early scenes in this movie is um, when she teams up with the cop. Thank you. <laughs> Shut the God damn it. You're you're right, though. Yeah. Um, without fail, you're right. She immediately is like, uh, we got to go see our friend, which is, uh, you know, played by Jamie Foxx, who uh, is going to tattoo him. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm not doing this. And she's like, she gives this little thing. And I'm not going to ruin it because I think Cassavetes is actually a pretty good writer. And she basically compares the bigotry of Satanists to the bigotry of Christians. And she's like, you know, our religion's a bunch of bigots, too. And it's like this. It's kind of like this fresh take on what it is to be in a modern cult. And um, but they are, to be clear, they are like horror movie Satan worshippers. So there is a moment in the film where there is a pentagram drawn on the floor and there are candles. Just it doesn't have the like fantastical nature of like, uh, I don't know, American horror story or something. Yeah. It looks like a real life interpretation of what this might be like. Also, because his daughter is a, a female and she's been abducted, we get a lot of exposition through conversations with her who was also abducted as a little girl. And she's kind of like, we don't see any of the horrors that might be in sound of freedom on screen, but we know that they're going on because we have a character who's literally been through it. So the movies are kind of close in that. In way. Sound of Freedom, they just do the curtain close. <laughs> in this one, there is a brutal. A lot scene. of that. There's at least five curtain closes. <laughs> there, close, there's a put the curtain on the coop. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and one time it got stuck in the wire, oh, and they just God. had to keep. <laughs> so uh, this movie feels like a throwback to like The Crow, like early '90s. Oh, like, your favorite big sets. Well, it's kind of like you know how The Crow is like. It's it's equal parts kind of like campy, dumb, but also just really cool genre filmmaking. Yeah, that's where we live in this movie. Like at any point, if it's not for you, you could decide this dialogue is making me cringe. Well, Sting was my favorite wrestler. That's OK. That, so that's a fair comparison. Thank you so much. Um, but you know how that could be dumb, too. Like you could either cheer for Sting dropping down in face paint, wearing all leather with the baseball bat. Or you could look at it and be like, what has happened to WCW? Yeah, that's true. And this is one of those movies. But Sting was in everything. I'll tell you, I, I took this movie, uh, I was a fish on a hook. I was completely enthralled. In fact, by like hour two, I was like, man, they got to make more movies like this. Except I know that it won't make money because not a lot of people like seeing women beat like they do viciously in the beginning of this movie. It's a little, uh, it took me aback. Yeah. But that's why I'm like, it's got a little bit of that edgelord vibe, which I think is going to turn off a lot of like modern film critics. They're yeah. just going to be like, I'm not going to deal with this. Thing. I, mean, I get it. Is it like, I will that, say, is it like that? What your boy, Casey Affleck, um, <laughs> yeah. the killer inside <laughs> me. Oh yeah. I never saw that one. Cause that's, a, I haven't seen that's a dude, tell me that about out it. of nowhere. There's just like some absolute graphic, like woman beating in it where you're like, Holy <laughs> shit. Like, that's what this movie is. And yeah, it's just like this kind of hard kind of whodunit drama thing. Then all of a sudden there's like very intense violence. in it. No, this one, it kind of like, 
it feels like a blockbuster type movie, like big budget. There's people you notice. And then there's like a conflict that will happen with a woman. And then something that would never happen in any of the other blockbuster movies where she just gets like punched in the face or like hit with the butt of a gun. It's uh, kind of like, oh, this is something different. More like Jennifer like, Jason Lee and Hateful Eight. Just get oh, shit yeah. beaten out of her the whole beat fucking the movie. Shit out yeah, of the lady. But, you know, okay, that's good because coming into a Tarantino film, you know something like that exactly. may happen. Hey, there was there was a flashback on that too. There was. There mm-hmm. was. There was. Yeah. Well, I mean, and your boys fucking once upon a time in Hollywood wasn't uh considered the most yep. uh, Barbie friendly. No. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what we needed. We needed Barbie to be watching like alternate reality movies in the Barbie world where like it's it's a girl murdering like beating the shit out of some was she watching Looper (laughs) (laughs) yeah so hey God is a bullet this is a fucking two and a half hour movie let me see the little talk about Cassie can you scroll down yeah what's my girl um January Jones doing who's that Uh, what are you talking about that's Mrs. Don Draper all right she's one of the she's in the newer X-Men movies too I think She's like some ice queen or invisible. She's not woman. a good actor. No, but. she's a terrible actress. Yeah. <laughs> Oksana, help me out. What is what does this girl do in this movie? This blonde lady, Jeremy Ware Jones. I think she might be the uh, other friend. That was the friend? Movie. Oh, okay. She doesn't look like that in the film. <laughs> so there's there's a moment where um uh the cult leader is oh man the portrayal of the cult is probably my takeaway here. They do a really good job of making like real life scary people but there's a moment where um randy's girl is trying to exit the cult and the watcher she's like i'm out and his answer to that is just to palm strike her in the nose now the the execution of that on screen is brutal and it's jarring and she's got a buddy who i guess is played by this girl who looks nothing (laughs) like this in the movie because she's also a heavily tattooed short hair uh, also, they were dating in this cult. She Hell tries to jump yeah. in front of her and stop it and ends up taking a beating herself. Damn. So, uh, she, dude, she does a good job in this movie if Oksana is correct about that. I might, I might be wrong. I hope you're not. She might be the wife of the uh, detective. That, or the that sounds like our girl. That sounds in, more like which, Yeah, which, that sounds like her Q-zone. Um, well, okay. In that case, don't worry. She gets beat up. And two, <laughs> she also does a good job. She And not only does she get beat up, but she gets the after effects of the beating, where we get to see her in makeup looking like her orbital bone has broken. Oh. Uh, this movie is rough. How fun for everyone. But it, it, feels like a, it feels like a ride on the nostalgia roller coaster. We're just going back in time when film was good and theaters were packed. I mean, look, uh, look let's be very clear here. You're a fan. I'm a fan of exploitation. <laughs> it's a fun. It's a fun genre. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now mix in with some of this edge lord shit. There's not- we can get. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, but that's the other thing. It's like we have to classify everything now. Yeah. And then because of social media and Randy's new favorite threads, <laughs> it's like you know everything gets thrown out of proportion. And we don't know. That's why I had to go spend twelve dollars to go see about all the chickens yesterday. I know. And you now, know, I had to make up my own decisions about the chickens. Dude, the chickens do not get treated well in this movie either. It's bleak. I you know that was it's the hard theme. out there for the chickens. All these movies are bleak, <laughs> except for they clone Tyrone. That movie's a little bit bleak, but you know, they do the the proper film thing where it's there's a lot of balance there. Um 
hey, God is a bullet, dude. If you haven't heard about it, but you like uh, <laughs> slightly edgelord uh, subplot with heavy romance, dude, I will tell you, it's been a while since I watched the movie and I'm like, are they going to fucking kiss? They need to. Oh, Did dude, they? I was there. Uh, you stay tuned. How many stars? Have I reviewed this one yet? I think I might have. I think I gave it four and a half. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dude, I'm just, I'm doling them out. I'm having a good time. It is a great time God. for cinema. Don't listen to those stuffy critics. You have no impulse. They're control. all on a fucking <laughs> payroll. No, there is a movie that I did not plan on talking about. I won't really. It's called Home Motion Detected. One, it's not a found footage movie. So steer clear. Two, I gave it two stars. Which is like the kiss of death. <laughs> It just means I didn't like it. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. And we did exactly what I thought we were going to do and didn't want <laughs> yeah. to do. And we recorded a 19-hour episode. <laughs> but we had a great time and uh, hung out all day with Christian, man. Yeah. It was great to have you. It was nice um, it, And a little surprise for our listeners, Christian also is joining us on a Thursday episode uh, where we focus that conversation on the podcast that uh, he and Randy has started together. And now I believe the third episode is available now for uh, your listenership. Uh, the vinyl floor boys, uh, give us a, a little, a little 60 second pitch on the show. Randy and I go through mostly my vinyl collection, but we do uh, throw his in every now and then we're going to open it up to some interviews and more kind of uh, out of format off the beaten path fun stuff. And uh, yeah, we got uh, social media at the vinyl floor podcast on Instagram and Randy can tell you about the email. Yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> you know, want to uh, reach out to us via email and complain or tell us how good the show is. It's the vinyl floor ATL at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, you can reach out to us there. You can hit us up and ask for Randy's address to send us records. Cause I'm not going to give <laughs> mine out. But. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Perfect. All the right. vinyl floor. Hell yeah. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.